Hey now, it's your boy PSA Sitch here with another Tuesday Tuesday stream with everyone's favorite wearer of graphic tees, Adam Friendy. Hey, how are you doing, Sitch? And we have another very special guest with us today, Ben Burgess. Ben Burgess has actually been on the show twice. And we just found out that the first time he was on may have actually been his first time ever streaming, which and is streaming kind of crazy. in a debate format. Yeah. So. So that's kind of fun. And also he was on our 200th episode. Right. So yeah, so this is your third appearance on the show. And today we are going to be talking about, you had done an article on Christopher Hitchens that I was interested that touches on critical race here. I think the, the, mm -hmm. the gist of the article is you think Christopher Hitchens would not have banned critical race theory in the same way that some of the Republicans are doing. So we'll talk about that. And we're also going to talk about cultural Marxism, which I, I listened to one video that you had done on talking about cultural Marxism. And I, I, a critique of it that I kind of made was, well, I, I mean, I understand a lot of your critique seems to be you're misusing the term Marxism, but my, my understanding is cultural Marxism means something, even if you're objecting to the way that they've redefined it in kind of the way that a lot of people object to the, the redefining of things like white supremacy. So I understand the complaint there, but I, I also think uh, cultural Marxism means something, and I kind of want to talk about that. So I'll just let you introduce yourself, and, and if there's any like podcast or anything like that you want to turn people towards, go ahead. Uh, sure, yeah, thanks for that. Um... This is actually, you know, I mean, I felt bad about the, you know, Sitch's dig about the graphic tee since I, <laughs> uh, I Look how nice Ben looks. And then Adam's over here with his t-shirt on. I, and honestly, you just caught me on the one day that I'm not wearing one. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, I'm a columnist for Jacobin Magazine. I also write sometimes for The Daily Beast, which is where the Christopher Hitchens uh, article was. And part of the reason that I wrote that is I'd just written a, a book about Christopher Hitchens uh, that came out on the 10 year anniversary of his death. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, what he got right, how he went wrong and why he still matters. And I'm the host of a show called Give Them an Argument. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. So I, you know, I have a bunch of questions, but I'll let Sitch start off. Well, before so. we talked about um, any of that stuff, I was curious because you said earlier, you know, you listened to our Anna conversation and I think I saw you on Twitter where defending Anna from a lot of the attacks. So what's your whole take on, on all of that? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I kind of think it's dishonest not to start this with the admission that I'm like wildly biased, um, <laughs> that, you know, she's a very good friend of mine in real life. I, nice. I, I'm not like, I'm not gonna, you know, I mean, I guess if I really disagreed with her, uh, I would probably just shut up about it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I wouldn't be out there defending her though. You know, that would be dishonest, but yeah, I, I, I think that she's basically right about uh, the stuff that people are mad at her about. I think that, um, I mean, some of these have been kind of drums up and banging for a long time, actually. Like I, I, I wrote, a, I mean, like one of the many things that's happened since the first conversation I had with you guys is, mm -hmm. I wrote a book about how the the left is uh, too uh, wrapped up in counterproductive moralism, right? Canceling comedians uh, while the world burns. Uh, so obviously, I, I kind of you know started the you know started it at some of these places, and and I think that um, you know, and I think that 
it's uh i think that a lot of the positions that she's gotten raked over the, for the coals for i think have been really misrepresented and you know and, and i think a lot of people kind of miss i guess the old, the one other thing i'd say about this is i think a lot of people kind of miss the sort of larger context in a way that sort of depressingly speaks to the way that culture war kind of eats everything in american politics and media because everything is sort of immediately processed through this prism of like, Ooh, what signal are you sending? You know, when you, when you say <laughs> that, you know, like, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Whose team are you on? Yeah. And, and it's like, I think a lot of, I think a lot of her point has been that uh, I think as she's kind of become more aware of the way that, you know, people end up in these, these kind of filter bubbles with their media consumption, et cetera, that, um, that they just end up believing a lot of stuff that's not entirely true, or is at least, you know, maybe partially true, but misleading and et cetera. And, uh, and you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't deny that for the sake of kind of uh, signaling your, uh, your loyalty, right? You could, you could just kind of, you know, you can have, Hey, here are the, here are my values. Here are my political goals that I care about. But I also think that the audience are adults and I can kind of trust them to have all the information and they can they can they can decide what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Well, you you have a book called Give Them an Argument, which I mean, I admire because obviously Sitch and I like to argue. Our whole show is basically arguing with people. And I do feel like a lot of these just ad hominem attacks or these straw man arguments that people throw out are really designed to avoid the argument. So I do think we kind of share that in common that we're really about talking about the substance of what we're disagreeing about. Right. And it's, you know, it's funny what you were saying, because I remember when, you know, Anna got in trouble for those tweets she put out, almost the number one criticism that I was hearing against her wasn't necessarily the idea that she put out, but it'd be that like Ben Shapiro retweeted that (laughs) some bad, some person I don't like on, on the other political team, you know, agreed with you. Like that's the number one complaint against her. And I was just like, Oh, dude, like, which is is so so wild. Right. Cause it's like, why does, I mean, don't sure. I mean, I'm sure the premise is correct that right-wing people enjoy watching left people, left-wing people get mad at each other. Sure. Oh yeah. Like no, no question. Sure. Of course they do. Right. But like, um, and you know and and so it's in like yeah they're gonna um like they're gonna enjoy it they might like you know retweet something that they know is gonna piss off leftists as much as anything because they know it's gonna piss off leftists (laughs) of course that immediately becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy like it's it's just it's all dumb i mean i i really i really wish uh i don't know I've, i've i I guess I have a complicated relationship to Twitter because it's like a sort of feels like a kind of semi-necessary tool of a lot of the stuff that we do. That's what I think it's everyone's feeling is Twitter is this like weird. It's it's like the drug addict going back to the crack <laughs> den every once in a while, but you kind of have to because you're like trying to sell your wares to the crack addicts. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I guess. And you're like, I'm gonna try to be here and not smoke too much drugs while I'm here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm just gonna do a little bit of crack and then I'm gonna like, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be home. I'll be home by ten. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, this is so. The question I want, the first question I want to ask yeah, yeah, was, is kind yeah. of related to sure. yeah. all of this culture war stuff because, yeah. you know, how how do you do you describe yourself as like a, a classical Marxist and, like, do, how do you feel about the term class reductionist. Yeah. Uh, so I would, 
you know, I would describe myself as a Marxist. I'm not going to give you five minutes of caveats. If that right. which is in the conversation, we can do it. Right. But like, broadly speaking, there is a view about history and there's a view about how capitalist economies work uh, that I agree with there. And, you know, and I think that's like a useful shorthand for saying that. I think um, as far as, yeah, class reductionism, I mean, it, it's part, I mean, part of the problem with class reductionism is it's it's so vague and it always kind of sounds like it's saying something that it's mm-hmm. not uh, it's not quite saying uh, like it sort of sounds like when you call somebody a class reductionist, you're saying they just like literally don't care about anything but that. But of course, if that's what it means, it's inaccurate, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time that it's applied to people. Uh, if it means that you think there are strategic reasons um to emphasize class, or it means that you think that by and large, not completely, but by and large, the sort of biggest problems with kind of injustice in advanced democratic capitalist countries are about the distribution of wealth and resources and economic power. If that's what it means, then I think class reductionism is just correct. It's good. Uh, And, you know, and, and again, I think it's often... I think people who throw it around often aren't really clear what they mean, but I've gotten to a point where when I hear it, I hear somebody described as a class reductionist. I'm like, oh, okay. So they're probably, they're probably like smart and worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Let, like let me, a, let me check in for just this. Did you yeah. say that you d- wouldn't class your, classify yourself as a Marxist? Oh no, I, I said I would. I, I just, okay, okay. I, I, just, I, just I tried to I just list- very quickly put a little nuance around that. Right, but right. I, 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 I listed you as a Marxist author. Yeah. Just for the purposes of no, this no, conversation, I'm, so I'm totally, I, totally okay. happy. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Go ahead, Sitch. Yeah, well, no, because so Ben, I'm sure you're aware, has yeah. you know been a long controversy for the last few years. That's sort of been about you know CRT and then wokeness mm-hmm. in general around like is it you know rooted in Marxism? Is it Marxism? How, how do you feel about all these claims? Yeah. Uh, so okay. So I guess two things. One is that um, I would. I don't think we can talk about this without just really quickly noting that um, that CRT is a, is one of these terms that like has a sort of specific meaning. It's often used in a much broader way. I think if we get into it more, you know, we're going to have to start making some of those distinctions. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about uh, like real CRT, like Derek Bell, people like that, you know, people yeah. who are like Crenshaw, real, yeah, all those people, yeah. sure, Kimberly Crenshaw, yeah. Um, yeah, people like Kimberly Crenshaw and Derek Bell, that like real academic critical race theorists. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Um, I mean, is it rooted in Marxism? I mean, you know, I, I think if you say like, you know, that like it's Marxism is an important enough part of the intellectual history of the last couple hundred years that, you know, it's going to be like any kind of influence on lots of things, then sure. But like the idea that people have that this is some kind of like, half Marxism or semi-Marxism or it's like, you know, or like rebranded Marxism or something, I think is totally wrong. I, I think mm-hmm. if it were, I would like it a lot more. Uh, in fact, a lot of my objection to a lot of this stuff is that I think it's uh, it's not actually particularly Marxist. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's not, um, it's that it, uh, that it, it sort of positions race as having this, analytical role in explaining certain things that I, I actually just don't find helpful. Uh, and it also just normatively in terms of what the goal is, 
Like, what do we actually want? What would we consider a just society? Uh, honestly, to me, I mean, and I know people say I'm straw manning it because, you know, I think somebody like Derek Bell kind of wants to have it both ways on this. But I, a lot of that stuff strikes me as saying that, like, the, the goal is that, um, you know, we should, uh, you know, we should have like a much more racially diverse ruling class that like, you know, it's, it's kind of, I mean, maybe just a straw man, just a little bit. Right. I mean, like we, we have, you know, we should, we should have a more demographically proportional board of directors of Lockheed Martin. And I think that's just a totally different goal than you have. If what your basic objection is to, is to like class inequality in the first place, not just to who gets to rise up the ladder, but like whether that kind of ladder is there in the first place. So when you say it's, so you don't characterize it as Marxist, is it just purely based on the end goal or is there something, is there some quality to Marxism specifically that it lacks? Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about Marxism by and large, you're talking about two things. One is a theory of history, a theory of how it is that different modes of production, you know, feudalism, capitalism, slavery, whatever, kind of rise and fall over uh, over the course of history and why and how those are related to what kind of legal and political institutions you have. And the other is a theory sort of specifically about the capitalist mode of production, about how capitalist economies work. And uh, I really don't think that, you know, critical race theory has much to do with either one of those i mean and and to me when, when i when i see people saying that well it's it's kind of marxism or you know anything like that it seems like what they're they're saying is often like well there's certain kind of claims where if you do a global search and replace throughout the word document and replace all the racial terms with economic terms then it kind of sort of sounds like marxism mm-hmm. to which i would just say okay but like i, I don't understand you know if you go through the gospels and do a search and replace where Jesus becomes Hitler, then the, you know, New Testament sounds a lot worse, but I, I don't, you know, I, I I guess I never really get what follows from that. Right. Well, the I, the argument, to my understanding, as someone who's read way too much CRT literature, uh, is that, you know, essentially they took, it seems like a lot of the CRT people were, you know, obviously it's directly from, it's, criti- it's a critical theory, so obviously it's yeah. kind of derived, it's derived from critical legal uh, studies, which was more explicitly Marxist. And it's, you know, derived from Frankfurt School of Critical Theory. And they essentially took a lot of the aspects of Marxism, including the, you know, the, the history, the, the lens of history that you're talking about and kind of the oppressor um, oppression lens. And they kind of just took out, as you said, they kind of took out all the class elements and replaced them with race elements. And I can understand why as someone who's a classical Marxist, you're like, this is crap. But um, for someone who's not a Marxist, I do think it would be fair to say, well, I mean, you can argue that replacing class with a race, you know, changes the nature of it, maybe away from Marxism, but it definitely took the framework of Marxism and kind of uh, switched around a little bit. Yeah. So I guess two thoughts about that. One, uh, okay. Uh, one, I think that like just sort of saying there's some kind of oppressor oppressed thing going on there uh, really doesn't go very far in the direction of Marxism because the mm-hmm. idea that there's oppression is a thing that exists that you know sometimes like one group of people treats another group of people unjustly which is all well, I mean, in terms of conflict theory specifically but okay but that there's like conflict between different groups that they have uh that uh there's there's conflict between different groups that could be described as oppression i mean that's a 
that's like insanely broader than Marxism. Like that's uh, you know, I mean, sh- surely everyone who was involved in like the French Revolution or you know, I don't know, Spartacus's revolt in ancient Rome, you know, believed uh, that there's you know, so you know, that society involved you know, conflict between people where some people were oppressing other people or like. I don't know, Mary Shelley, you know, writing the vindication of the rights of women, you know, sort of founding feminism decades before Marx is born. Like, well, you, uh, I mean, you agree conflict theory is, I mean, that Marx created conflict theory, right? Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I do agree. Can you say more mm-hmm. about, about that? Like the whole idea that, you know, society is composed of these different groups in society that are kind of fighting each other over some kind of limited resource. I, I, I thought I, Marx created this, but am I, I, am I, I incorrect? I guess I don't think so. I mean, you go back to like Aristotle in ancient Greece and he talks about classes and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he, you know, he seems to, you know, he seems to think that there are different groups in society that are in conflict with each other. I mean, I guess in his case, you know, he thinks that, you know, the sort of solution to that is kind of balancing, you know, is like a, a balancing act, you know, I mean, it's definitely not the people at the bottom, like winning and reformatting, society but yeah that that does uh i i think that i think that sort of claims that society involves conflict between different groups is i mean certainly like i mean there's so many non-marxists who've believed that including before marx that i i just i just don't find associating that with marxism very helpful or or right is there some so like if you because if you look up conflict theory and everyone associates it with Marx, what are they talking about? Is there some other criteria to this or? I mean, this is um, I mean, again, if if conflict theory, you know, I mean, maybe they're using it in a more fine grained way than the way that we've been discussing it for the last couple of minutes. But I mean, mm-hmm. if they, um, again, if if they just mean that there's uh, that there's conflict between different groups, then I would disagree with people who say this. Um I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, I'd, I'd kind of want a little bit more than just like there are lots of people who, you know, there are lots of people who say this to to kind of change my mind about it. Well, well, I guess I'm asking you. So, I mean, I'm assuming that you yeah. as a Marxist know, like have read about this. So when they talk about conflict theory and when you look it up and everyone throws it at Marx or associates it with Marx, what are they, are they what are they referencing, I guess? Well, I mean, conflict theory isn't really a term that Marxists use uh that's mm-hmm. that's not you know maybe like a certain kind of marxist academic but i mean it's certainly in the kinds of marxist uh either either just sort of regular political or more theoretical discussions that i'm familiar with right that's not a hmm. that that's not a term i see thrown around i mean i, I think the, i think the i mean I, the only con- the conversation that comes to mind for me where somebody was talking about conflict theory it was a couple of years ago on uh <sighs> enter the void and you know that guy's you know i I think you know just kind of a liberal so i i don't you know i i think that that might just be different traditions of of how to talk about this stuff but like whether there's something called like i i guess maybe zooming out a little bit if that's okay like if you say uh that conflict theory you know comes from marxism and this sort of comes from some kind of conflict theory what that sounds to me like is it's ultimately like a genealogical claim. Like you trace back some chain of influence and you get to uh, Marxism. But to me, that's not very informative because even if it's true, I mean, I, I then like, I still don't think that tells you very much about how to classify the end result. I mean, you know, you trace back 
you know, Marxism itself has all kinds of influences from like early enlightenment liberalism. But I mean, I'm sure that you wouldn't think that it basically just therefore is that right. Like they have. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to uh, uh, peg you to say, yes, it's CRT is Marxist. I'm not that's not really what I'm trying to get at. Okay. I'm just and as you said, you know, obviously Marxism had you know inspirations yeah. from, from liberalism, though, I assume, you know, obviously you would agree that Marx, Marx and Marxism is a critique of liberalism. Um, so I wouldn't really say it's like within the same okay, but like a lot of know, the, vein of it. A lot of the stuff you're talking about is actually critiques of, you know, Marxism or right. critiques right. of original form Marxism, right? right. So, so there we would have a we would have a parallel, right? You know, yeah, OK, that's fair. Yeah. But yeah. so but I mean, the way that I perceive it from a lot of the CRT literature I've read is that they did. Even if you don't want to call it Marxist, that's fine. But they did take it looks like to me a lot of the a lot of the framework and structure of Marxism, and they kind of just swapped out race. I mean, class with race. They definitely did not seem to be taking the framework of liberalism and doing that. Okay, so two two thoughts about that. One is just you know, for the record, I. I'm not yet convinced about that there is that much meaningfully, you know, from the structure. Certainly when I've seen people before try to kind of unpack this claim in essays and stuff, mm -hmm. the thing that they're describing as a structure is just seems awfully minimal to me. Uh, so that's one thing. Then the other thing is, look, if you swap out class with race, then um you know that's uh, that's that's a pretty dramatic swap. I mean, that's right. uh, that's that that's like you've completely changed the meaning of every single one of these sentences to the point that it's unrecognizable. And the the people who say the second sentence are now ideological enemies. The people who say the first sentence because these are these are competing explanations of the world. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you familiar with uh, Hans Moller? He wrote the book on profilicity and authenticity. Uh, no, I haven't read that. Oh, okay. No, because we talked to him. I, I think yeah. he is also. Yeah. He, he said he was a Marxist, right, Adam? Am I misreading? I'm not sure. Yeah. Or he was a socialist, and he. I mean, he was kind of. We had kind of a similar conversation, and he made. I mean, he made the same argument, which is that yeah, if you swap out uh, race for class, then it kind of makes it by its nature not Marxism anymore. Which I. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. I, I think that's fine. It's just to me the thing that's interesting to me, and the reason why I kind of want to make this distinction. Is because yeah. it seems like with CRT and a lot of wokeness, which I'd all kind of argue stems from similar uh, ways of thinking, is that essentially there's a bunch of mainstream uh, mainstream liberals and Democrats kind of wandering around in America who have been duped essentially into thinking a lot of woke stuff is the continuation of the liberal civil rights movement. When it's not really, it's really this kind of completely different way of thinking about the world. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I want to hone in and say, like, look, this is not I mean, if you don't want to say it's Marxism, it's fine, but it's definitely not rooted in liberalism. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what's the like I part of the problem with this is that liberalism is one of those words that means really, really different things in mm -hmm. different contexts, right? Like so you know, you talk to libertarians and they'll tell you, no, 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 we're, we're liberals, right? Because because we're, you know, we believe in classical liberalism or at least like a kind of libertarian right. of that. But then like certainly for the last close to a century in uh, the United States, 
one of the main things that liberalism means is like New Deal liberalism, which mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously very different from libertarianism. I think historically a lot of what people have often meant, you know, I mean, look, there's a certain sense of li- there are things that people mean by liberalism that it's like, yeah, if that's what you mean, sure, I'm a liberal. What but- do you mean by it, Sitch? Well, I mean, you know, the max trying to maximize the freedom of the individual, that the individual needs protections from society that the individual is generally like the the most important unit that you know you want to focus um on and that things should be structured in terms of you know the individual needs to be protected from the group as opposed to the group being protected from the individual you know classical kind of john and, and you're saying crt is against that and see yeah crt is explicitly against uh that kind of individuation i mean with the possible exception of the last part like the last thing you said about the in you know the groups don't need to be protected against individuals. And I would kind of push on what that means a little bit, but with the possible mm-hmm. exception of that last part, everything else you just said, like, yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that that's okay. all obvious. Maybe that's liberalism, right? Well, I think that it's one thing that liberalism can mean. And this mm-hmm. goes to my point, because what I said, when I said, I think that's right is other than maybe the last sentence, everything you just said, it's like, yeah, if, if that's what liberalism means, I'm a liberal, right? Like that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's completely compatible with socialism. In fact, I would argue it all gives us a real. Really? Oh, t- I think it's definitely, yeah, no question. <laughs> oh, uh, he's making my argument, Sitch. Do you want to bring that up, Adam, now? Or you want to I, I don't, I don't, but okay. I just, I just point it out. So, uh, okay. yeah. So, so you, how do you think yeah. CRT is different than liberalism, Sitch? Well, so, well, first of all, CRT liberalism, since it's since liberalism is focused on protecting the individual, that's why this whole concept of like individuals have rights and natural rights that are basically society has to acknowledge in order to protect individuals from each other and individuals from society. And CRT very explicitly says that they're skeptical of rights because they separate people, which it seems to me is very similar to Marx's critique of individual rights that he lays out in the the Jewish question paper. Okay, so so I might disagree with you about how to read the second one at least. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I. So yeah, let's just focus on that because I know more about it. So um, I have, you know, I mean, I'm happy to hear what you just say about the other one, but I just, you know, I'm going to have more to be able to contribute on this. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, my reading at least of the point of the Jewish question, very unfortunate title. Uh, <laughs> Really makes it sound like it's saying something it's not saying. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, kind of anti-Semitic, but sure. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It isn't. I mean, the, the thing that's kind of anti-Semitic about it is in the last portion of it, he uses some analogies where he's definitely drawing on popular anti-Semitism. He, he says he doesn't. He but say that actually, you'd have to abolish Judaism to abolish capitalism. Uh, yeah. So he has again. This is the part you know in the last in the last part where he's mm-hmm. definitely drawing on some like very anti-Semitic like analogies and wordplay and stuff uh, right. that, you know, I think was pretty common uh, at the uh, at the time he's writing. Uh, and so he does this like sort of double meaning of like Judaism and, uh, you know, but I think, but the overall point of the argument is the opposite of that, right? The overall point of the argument, you know, he's, he's you know, on the Jewish questions response to Bruno Bauer, who's a young Hegelian who said that, well, if Jews want to be part of like, have like, equality in some kind of secular state, they should have to give up their own specific religion. And the whole point is that Marx, in the first part at least, the whole point is that Marx is disagreeing with that. He said, no, 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 you're wrong. Um, and uh, and he's arguing in favor 
of you know equality you know equality for jewish people without anybody having to give up uh their religious practices but i think the part you're mostly talking about is where he's you know the sort of um you know what you're saying is like the critique of liberal rights part and here i think we might just be reading a little bit differently because is the point in context that um you know liberal rights don't matter like we just shouldn't have them right or is the point in context that just securing these liberal rights by themselves doesn't really go far enough that this this doesn't really get us at like a meaningfully you know free and equal society because you still have these like underlying economic structures and you know as i recall on the jewish question that would be the you know that would be the you know like that second one is is how i would read it right i don't i don't think marx is saying like free speech isn't important or freedom of religion isn't important he's arguing for freedom of religion against bruno bauer in the early party saying no, no no you're saying that this goes against secularism somehow but look at all these documents the charters of rights from the french revolution and blah 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 that you know secure freedom of religion so i don't think he's arguing against those rights i think he's just arguing against the idea that having that sort of formal legal equality is enough to make people sort of um meaningfully emancipated from the sort of most oppressive things about their society by itself yeah i don't so the way i read it is that he's he's not he's essentially saying that like i he likes the concept of what the liberals were trying to do with individual rights but that he doesn't think it's effective at accomplishing the goal yeah right uh yeah but i think that the question is like is it not effective in the sense that oh forget that then Right. Or is it not effective in the sense that like it's it's not sufficient? No, uh, it's forget that. Okay. So, well, if you're reading is forget that, then then I would disagree with you about it. Well, that's the whole point of 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 quotas and whatnot. It's saying that you can't get there through liberalism. We're, we're, we're talking about two different yeah. things. Uh so so you're you're back to I think critical race theory. Uh we were talking about the on the Jewish question. Oh, okay, so, okay. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the way I would, I think Sitch disagrees, right? I think the way I was reading on this question is it's, it's not sufficient. I mean, as far as like, you know, quotas and all that, I mean, I think there's a bigger, I mean, that, I mean, if you want to talk about all that, I'm, I'm happy to, but you know, that's, that, that's well, a new yeah. question. Well, so if, if you sort of agree with my definition of liberalism, except for the little end part and you, but you don't think that conflicts with Marxism, what yeah. is the difference between liberalism and Marxism? Yeah, so I think that there are a few different things that people can mean by liberalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing that they can mean by liberalism that you sound like you're mostly talking about uh, is this kind of broad philosophical liberalism that's like every person uh, sort of innately has the same moral status as every other person. And they they deserve you know the same package of rights whatever those are, um, which is pretty um, you know I, I think at this point I mean don't get me wrong there are definitely uh, people who who disagree with that in the world but uh, but I think is sort of in, in some ways I think that like since the Enlightenment I mean that stuff has been so influential that it's it's actually a little bit hard to find people in Western societies who don't kind of agree with that. Um, But, you know, but, and that's like, again, I think totally compatible with, with socialism. I mean, like, uh, like, you know, I mean, tellingly right to, you know, the, 
you figure the the three Johns, right? John Locke, John Stuart Mill, and John Rawls, you know, maybe the most the three most important uh liberal thinkers ever. Um that uh you know john locke is obviously a very strong defender of capitalist property rights right uh but uh but but john rawls certainly is not and gives a argument for economic redistribution that's all about you know starting from the perspective of this of, of the individual uh which which i'd be very happy to get into and even john stuart mill in be uh, in between uh is at least sort of socialism curious uh, by the by the end of his his life, right? So I mean, I, I I don't think I don't think those are incompatible. But another thing that liberalism sometimes means is like liberalism as opposed to radicalism. I think that a lot of times when we call when you know we talk about like you know even like New Deal liberalism or things like that, what we mean is like okay, look, I'm not a crazy person, you know, like me, right? You know, this person speaking, right? The, uh, that's like I'm not a crazy person like Ben. I don't want to you know I don't want to totally change our system or whatever. I just I just want to sort of reform it to make it a little bit more fair, right? I think that's more the kind of thing that I think people often have in mind when they say liberalism. And that one They mean incrementalism, not individual rights. Uh yeah. I mean, presumably they also do believe in individual rights, but yeah, that they're really talking about like incrementalism. Like they like like when we say when we use the word liberal So so in the context of CRT, yeah. you're saying yeah, yeah. that the CRT people are the point is really on the incrementalism, not on the individual rights. Yeah. Um I mean I guess I mean I'm in sort of a weird position here because I don't I don't know how far I want to go in sort of defending this thing that ultimately I disagree with. But uh, <laughs> so, I, so okay, I, that's I, interesting. I, but, but 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 I think that the but I think that one thing um but look, I think somebody who who agreed with a lot of the CRT stuff that I disagree with might say, "Hey, I believe in uh, individual rights. Uh, ultimately, what I'm trying to achieve is a society where you know individuals aren't to the disadvantage." Uh, well, look, I, I know what they're trying yeah. to achieve. I just don't necessarily know if I believe in the method. Sitch, I, I don't want to stop you if you're hey, on hey, a, a, yeah. a train of argumentation here. I, I don't necessarily know where you're going, though. Well. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. So as I as I said, to me, it's yeah. very clear that wokeness in CRT is not rooted in liberalism whatsoever. I mean, CRT kind of pretty explicitly in, in a lot of the, the writing doesn't want to maximize uh, the view of the individual at all and, and wants to look at things from a, a specifically a collective or a group lens, even going so far as to say that not only is colorblindness not even a possible outcome of society, but that you know, white and black people should be living with each other, sort of viewing the communities as separate nation states. And this is literally brought up in you know the intro, and I've brought this up a million times. This is like brought up in the introduction of you know the the gigantic book on CRT uh, theory, and mm -hmm. so I just it's it's interesting for me to hear to hear Ben kind of saying that well you know Marxism kind of operates according to a very similar principles as kind of individual rights and Mark and John Locke and liberalism, because that's not really what I would have expected to hear. So, I mean, are, are you just saying that like the concept of, of natural rights is compatible with Marxism, which I don't disagree with, but what the natural rights are is the difference. Cause obviously, you know, mm -hmm. most people that are liberals would agree that property, you know, the right to, to have property and to have capital ownership are part of your natural rights to start businesses and all these things. And obviously that doesn't seem to be compatible with most Marxist frameworks. Great point.
Yeah, so I think it's useful here to distinguish a little bit because we're uh, between like socialism, Marxism, Mm -hmm. like uh, so Marxism is primarily a descriptive theory. It's a theory about how the world is. It's a theory that says, makes some claims about how history works. It makes some claims about how capitalist economies work. Now, obviously, Marx himself is interested in all this because he's motivated by, you know, he, he cares about uh, ending capitalism, giving socialism, right? You know, so right. I mean, I'm not saying these are totally separate subjects, but I just want to be a little bit careful about that because uh, I don't think Marxism by itself is going to make any claim whatsoever, one way or the other, right, about sort of moral subjects. But if we're interested in, um, in like, okay, is sort of wanting, is socialism as a goal, uh, is this compatible with kind of philosophical liberalism, then I think, again, it depends what you mean a little bit. And you're clearly, I mean, yeah, I mean, the distinction you're making that there at the end is definitely important because if you're, if you have, if you're sort of talking about like narrow classical liberalism, like more or less you agree with John Locke about everything, then yeah, obviously that's not compatible with, uh, with, with socialism. If you have this sort of very strong view about property rights and you know you definitely think people should be able to have individual property rights in uh in the means of production right so uh that you can so it's not uh so not only is it not unjust to have a situation where some people uh are in a position to own businesses and most people have no realistic option except to sort of rent themselves out to the people in the first group not only is that not unjust but according to that kind of narrow classical liberalism it would be unjust to do anything about it because then you'd be taking away property that people have a right to totally agree maybe the way to conceptualize it is that like i would talk about the goal generally of of the philosophy of liberalism is for society to maximize the freedom of the individual as much as possible and then i would i would imagine that the goal of socialism would be for society to achieve some level of equality how is that is that what you would agree with or would you have a different yeah, I, I would disagree with that. Uh, so, and I would also, again, just just remind people that if we're talking about sort of liberalism as a philosophical tradition, right? You know, you don't have to go very far beyond John Locke uh, historically to find like really important liberal thinkers who don't necessarily agree with John Locke about property rights. Again, people like John Stuart Mill, people like John Rawls, and I think that thinking about Rawls is a really good way of seeing how you don't have to sort of deny that the individual person is this sort of ultimate unit of moral consideration to um, to disagree with capitalist property relations. In fact, I don't think you should deny that because, you know, look, we, we live our lives as individuals. If people are mistreated, if they have, uh, I don't know, die because they don't have health care, if people have, you know, if people have to like spend their lives as a, uh, you know, the song says, uh, you know, working uh, over, you know, overtime hours for bullshit pay. Uh, that, uh, they, right. But like in terms of just like what are the goals of these systems? How would you yeah, classify yeah, yeah. them? So, 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 OK, so I do think that actually. Uh, sorry, I let, let me just do let me just do 30 seconds of Rawls because I've really been wanting to make this point. Then I'm okay. going to directly answer your question. So on uh, on Rawls. Right. So so, you know, Rawls's argument is hey, you want to know what a really just society would be, uh, then imagine that you're constructing a society from behind the veil of ignorance. The veil of ignorance, yeah, exactly. You don't know who you're going to be, 
but you know, you're gonna have to live in a society. You don't know who you're going to be in the yeah. society. I think there's a very straightforward argument for socialism from that thought experiment. And I just want to notice not only is John Rawls everyone starving. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> like, why would you construct a society where everyone is starving? Yeah, well, I mean, if you, uh, you know, as a social, you know, I think it's, I think it's helpful when you're arguing against a position to start with premises that the people who accept that position are definitely going to agree with you about. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so I think obviously we can have an argument about this, but I think there's a straightforward argument for socialism from that, and that's, and that's a view that's entirely about the sort of moral status of the individual. That it's like, hey, we, how do we know if you as an individual are being treated unjustly if uh, the rules of the society are not ones that you would agree to from behind uh, the veil of ignorance. And okay, to really directly answer Sitch's question, I think that it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that we should be, you know, aiming, like, I think equality is really important. Uh, but I, but I also think that, look, I mean, even Marx, I mean, when Marx is talking and, you know, use the sort of value talk, he actually very rarely talks about equality exactly you know he you know he mostly talks about freedom i mean even uh in uh in the communist manifesto right the, you know free development of each is conditioned by the free development of all and so i think that the uh so i think that there is actually a pretty straightforward argument for socialism based on maximizing uh everybody's freedom sort of consistent with everybody else having the same amount of freedom it's you know it's just yeah obviously we're going to disagree about whether freedom means you know, we should understand freedom primarily in terms of your right to keep whatever you get from the chips falling where they may in a free market, or we understand freedom in terms of what's your capacity to control your life and the circumstances of your life. What are the things that you're able to do and not able to do uh, in practice? Well, well, look, we're in favor of yeah. that goal. Uh, yeah. Like we disagree on the method to get sure. to that goal, but yeah. I, I, we're diverging a bit from the the topic of CRT being a we'll, we'll get back to CRT in one second i just i want yeah. like yeah. i understand that you can argue yeah. you can you can look at marxism or socialism and you can kind of argue the way that you're arguing but like yeah. if you if someone walks up to you in a different context they just say you know what is the goal of socialism like period like how would what would be like the one sentence answer you'd give them well, um, I mean, I might give one in terms of equality, but I might also just say, uh, you know, freedom from exploitation and domination. Okay. So equality or freedom from exploitation, exploitation and domination. Okay. And yeah. I see, because I would not, now I would assume you'd agree that that's not, if you ask like, like liberal, like a liberal operating on liberalism, the one sense answer, they wouldn't tell you that. No, they certainly wouldn't, right? They uh, so although again, I just you know, I know there's a lot of liberal, different liberalism, liberalism is a big yes. philosophical tradition. Includes but a lot. Look, of, we're yeah, using our close, definition of liberalism, my, though. Maximizing individual freedom is that's the definition we're using. So let's oh. just leave all those other people using the wrong definition. Out. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're, I mean, although to be really clear here, what we're saying is that John Stuart Mill and John Rawls, you know, like the two most important liberal philosophers the last hundred and fifty years. Are less important for defining liberalism than you guys, so that's fine. But uh, yeah, look, well, they they weren't true. in favor of individual maximizing individual rights because oh. I, everything that you said doesn't really go oh, against I, that. Sure, sure. I'm just I'm just saying like those are people who are I think look, are you, 
if you're you know, if you're behind the veil of ignorance and you're designing oh, a society, I, I don't think that you'd want to design that society. So you don't have any individual rights. No, like I think not. it would be top on their priority. Like a lot of the socialists, yeah, I think when they talk about economic yeah. justice, they're talking about economic justice in a way to maximize your individual freedom to do things. They would say things like, well, you can't re you're not really free to do things if you're sick and dying and you don't have access to health care. So we need to maximize your individual rights by giving you access to free health care, for instance. Yeah, uh, I, I don't actually think positive rights. It's particularly, all particularly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, although I think even in terms of negative rights, um, you know, because I, I, I'm a little like, um, look, I'm I'm fine with talking about positive rights. There, there are lots of things that I think we could make sense of saying you have a right to. But uh, look, look, we're in favor of positive rights. I think we agree on this. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I think we do mostly agree about this. I think I think just just really quickly. Yes, I do think all those guys would say they care about individual freedom. I would say I care about individual freedom. I was trying to answer Sitch's question mm -hmm. in a way that's like, if I just say I care about individual freedom, then that probably you sound like a libertarian. Everyone's going to get mad people, at you. I like I get tell, it. Tell people, <laughs> That probably doesn't tell people very much about what I think they have. Uh, and yeah, because because we live in a political culture where those are the people who've sort of um, bogarted that language. Right. You know, that would be. Of course. OK, so we are getting somewhere. So it is it is a bit of you don't want to be misinterpreted. Look, I totally oh, respect that. Yeah. I mean, I would just say, like, again, if, if somebody asked me, do you care about individual freedom? I would say yes. If right. somebody said, you know, how would you describe the goals of socialism? I would try to say something a little bit more specific. Right. Well, so, and, you know, the libertarians often say that and they're ideologically different from you. So no, like you're sure. you're at you're often at ideological loggerheads with libertarians. Yeah, I, would, I would just want to be more specific, because if I if I made the vaguer statement, right, individual freedom means a lot of the different things to different people. And I think if I made the vaguer statement, that wouldn't really tell people why I wanted this thing rather than the things that other people who interpret it differently than me might want. Sitch, do you want to go back to CRT or yeah, we can go back to CRT. Well, I mean, so, um, I mean, do you agree yeah. that critical theories is like a classification derives from the Frankfurt School, which was obviously you know, uh, socialist and you know, we're we're get, I will say yeah. uh, that my understanding is yeah, okay, so I think that's fair. Uh, I think that the although I also think the Frankfurt School from, you know, on um, which, you know, I certainly wouldn't claim to be, you know, any sort of expert. So I might step on some rakes here, but if I, mm -hmm. uh, but on, you know, but like from everything I understand about the Frankfurt school, like a lot of what made those guys distinctive is that, you know, yeah, they had come out of a Marxist tradition, but they, they were really drifting pretty far away from, uh, from sort of uh, classical, Marxist claims sort of in response to a lot of the disappointments of the uh, the 20th century and the rise right. of fascism, yes. et cetera. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, to the point that, right, like Adorno famously calls the cops on the protesters in, in May 68 in, uh, in France. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like disgusted with uh, Marcuse that he, you know, that he supports all that, you know, and, and I think at the very least there's this sort of profound defeatism about the uh, the original goals that pervades a lot of that stuff. So, um, so, you know, so again, I think you can like trace back a genealogy, but the same way that the same way that you wouldn't want to say, well, okay, you know, 
you know, Marxism is influenced by something that's influenced by something that's influenced by something. Therefore, it's a liberal like, classical enlightenment liberals or Marxism are exactly the same, you know, or yeah. even kind of the same thing. Right. That's like, right. you know, I would be very resistant to saying that, you know, you can trace back a genealogy of, you know, I mean, it's of, uh, I don't know. It, it actually kind of feels to me eventually like sort of uh philosophical homeopathy right you know that there's like mm-hmm. a there's, there's a drop there but it's been i understand yeah yeah uh, i mean and we've literally it's funny we've actually had this exact argument that a lot of people on the right are now making yeah. that are kind of anti-liberal who are saying well you know communism socialism wokeness these all are the inevitable outgrowth of liberalism they're kind of making yeah. that same argument the argument that you're that you were saying that you wouldn't like they they basically make that argument um, so I'm definitely sympathetic to that. Um, but so, I mean, the my understanding of this, and and I guess I'm curious as to what your understanding is that essentially, you know, you have Gramsci coming along and, you know, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of uh, Marxists and socialists who are kind of upset that the predictions Marx made about the revolutions didn't seem to be occurring. And so people are kind of looking for answers to the question. You have Gramsci's kind of laying out the idea of cultural hegemony and that basically yeah. the culture is kind of controlled kind of from a top-down position that is inculcating everyone into accepting capitalism and liberalism and all these values. And then you have the Frankfurt School come along and saying, well, we need to attack that cultural hegemony and that becomes and culture becomes a larger focus as opposed to like the class struggle. Um yeah, I mean, I think certainly the, you know, part about, I mean, I'm kind of trying to think how much I want to sort of. Do you accept that narrative? Um, That's like a common, yeah, a common narrative on what's going narrative. on. Okay, so I, I think I don't. And I think the reason I don't is that um i am just skeptical that even if you can say hey here's one academic who was influenced by this other academic who was influenced by this other academic that like okay is that still the case is the end result of all of that that it makes sense to say that um the sort of primary thing going on here right the, the sort of primary motivation is best understood in those terms. And certainly when you start talking about broad cultural trends, like wokeness, which as you know, is a very vague term that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and you start talking about big political developments and you start, you know, especially going beyond like, even like official CRT, right? You know, your Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw. It does, it does seem like this speaks to your incrementalism argument though, Ben, because I mean, Sitch is kind of framing it in terms of yeah. they were after, the Marxists were after a revolution. They wanted to avoid incrementalism, which liberalism is a part of. And they thought, Marx himself thought that, you know, once the... Oh proletariat was united that they were going to re- uh, rebel against the bourgeoisie and since that never happened liberalism kind of made people happy enough that this incre- incrementalism just kept chugging along the critical theorists wanted to you know kind of substitute something else that might bring a process that would uh, circumvent the incrementalism that was working with liberalism which would be the revolutionary argument that you originally made but the, but that's so I guess this actually gets right to sort of the heart of it, and I think maybe is like more useful than me trying to sort of um, 
go at like some of the individual links in this chain about uh you know exactly how much you know Derek Bell has in common with Gramsci or whatever that like when you say um bring about revolution it's like okay well what kind of revolution and to what end are we talking about right like 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 do you you know in other words it you know do you think it's the case that you know your sort of culture war enemies in America in 2023 have as their goal like uh like a economic you know revolution you know so we don't have capitalism or are their goals actually entirely different from that well i i do think that the goals are economic to some extent obviously and the goal of the original marxists was to lose their chains right they they frame it exactly the same way as you as oppressor oppressed okay but like you but i i think i heard a little bit of a um slippage there that you said well their goals are economic to a certain step but that's not really the question right i mean they're really the well question. look if, if, if you're if yeah. you're talking about reparations for oprah winfrey it's very hard to make an economics argument okay right? but it's but it's also impossible to say that that has anything to do with socialism because that's exactly the opposite of socialism okay so so there's a divert you're saying that there's basically a divergence between that's where the divergence is between marxism and something like critical race theory where I, think it's, something... I think it's one of many divergences i mean basically i don't think these two things really have anything to do with each other okay except, except in this sort of look again if you're talking about strict critical race theory is like really the academic theory which is a much narrower thing than all the things that kind of get labeled critical race theory but if you're talking about that then you can, you know, tell some kind of genealogical story that I think has some truth to it. I think some of it's more complicated than other influence, whatever. Look, I think we're using completely but, different definitions of critical race theory. Yeah, I, I, you... I suspect that that's the case, but I just wanted to say, like, look, if you want to say, if the question is, is there some sense in which the goals of your culture war enemies in 2023 are economic? Sure. I'm, I'm not arguing with that, right? Well, but, which, which, side, which side of the culture war? Well, Presumably the kind of people that you're associating with CRT, et cetera, right? Like you mentioned reparations, uh, for example. Re uh, reparations is obviously an economic argument. So you're saying yeah, that the, the left is making an economic the, argument. So that, yeah, the distinction I'm making is between mm -hmm. saying that a goal is in some way economic and saying that the goal has anything to do with sort of traditional left economic goals. Well, wouldn't traditional economic goals be to lessen income inequality? That kind of thing. I mean, all reparations and all, it seems like all the left-wing policies around critical race theory are to lessen economic disparities. Um, well, between who, right? Like, in other words... Between that, black people and white people and... Sure, but that yeah. right there, I think, gets you to one of... Again, I think there's so many divergences. I think saying that, one, that these things really have anything beyond an historical sense to do with each other... I'm just not convinced by it, but I think that like, yeah, one of the, one of the big divergences between what you're talking about and socialism is when you talk about lessening the disparities between, you know, black people. Look, I, I, and, I, I kind of don't want to get, I well, kind of well, don't well, want to well, get sidetracked on the economic hold stuff. Hold on, because I don't think this is a sidetrack. I think this is the core of the whole issue we've been talking about for the last hour. Well, actually the point that we wanted to make was that critical race theory was not liberalism so this is not really the point well okay but, but that wasn't the original point the original that, point, no that was the original point sitch you laid out the argument so okay but what's but what sitch started with mm -hmm. what the relationship is between critical race theory and marxism what the relationship is between it and liberalism came later 
And as far as the relationship between it and Marxism or socialism, I actually really think this is the sort of this is the the heart of it. Because when you talk about lessening disparities between racial groups, what does that really mean? Like I always think about uh, Adolf Reed has this article where he talks about going on a black nationalist radio show and arguing with the host about this stuff. And the um, and you know one of the points he makes is that most of the racial wealth gap is actually at the at the top, right? It's 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 not really mostly a matter of you know working class white people you know having more money than working class black people there's some of that but it's mostly at the top uh and uh and the host says yeah but there's so much more white collective wealth than black collective wealth and and reed has this funny line where he says well hold on i want to hear more about how this white collective wealth works like if you're a waitress in oklahoma who's having trouble making rent can you call elon musk for a donation from the white collective wealth fund. It's a good point. Yeah. That, you know, and it's, it's so if you're talking about disparities between races, I think what you're really talking about is a matter of having the sort of different economic levels be proportional that you have the right percentage, maybe of uh, black people and white people at the top of the ladder at the, on that, you know, Lockheed Martin, you know, board of directors or whatever, that you have the right percentages of black people and white people living in poverty rather than it being disproportionately black, which is just a fundamentally different goal from, you know, ripping down that economic structure. Well, part of it though, with critical, Oh, sorry. You were saying part, part, part of it with critical race theory is also critical race theory makes a, a claim about what is causing the wealth disparity. That Mm -hmm. is, that has, that has to do with white supremacy and whites oppressing blacks that fits into kind of the Marxist framework. Well, if, if by the Marxist framework, you mean somebody is oppressing somebody, then sure. But, you know, one of the first arguments I made at the beginning of the discussion was that I think that that, pre, that framework predates Karl Marx by like most of human history and it certainly exists independently of Marxism in myriad forms. Uh, and and I, would, I would say when you say like, you know, one of my problems with, you know, the way people often will throw around terms like white supremacy is it's so vague and it, it sort of suggests a few different things at once without always being clear which one you mean. Uh, and there's a sense in which I think it's true that, you know, that I think the economic disparities, you know, I, I don't think it's like a coincidence that, you know, within living memory, you know, for our parents' generation, we had, you know, racial apartheid in a lot of the United States and that there are these, you know, economic disparities now. I don't think those things are unrelated. I think there's a historical relationship between do, them. Do you think that critical race theory makes the declaration that whites are oppressing black people, that that the wealth disparities that exist in society today are a product of racism? Uh, yeah. And I think that to the extent that what they mean is the first thing, then I think they've maybe got a defensible case to the extent that what they mean is something like the P plus P definition of racism, right? Prejudice plus power. Then I think it's way more dubious because I don't actually think that that's the sort of main, you know. So you not. disagree with them? Yeah, no, I, I. Okay. I really hope it's been clear. So, so let's so, look. Look, we're we're people, we're yeah. an hour and fifteen minutes in. I'm sure. just trying to get things yeah. on, on yeah. track here. Look, yeah. I, I you wrote an article, yeah, and you made a declaration in the article that that uh, Christopher Hitchens. Would not be in favor of banning CRT, and yeah. I went back and I read the article before this yep. conversation, and I, I guess some of the bills talk about banning divisive concepts, right? Yeah, uh, would so, you consider creationism a divisive concept? 
Yeah, but I don't think that's why you shouldn't uh, teach okay, it. Okay, so, look, so creationism is a divisive concept. Do you think Christopher Hitchens would be in favor of banning creationism? Um, I think, I mean, I maybe would. I actually don't think Hitchens would. And the reason I say that is primarily that I think I've actually seen places where he says that he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but I think that... So, so do you think Christopher Hitchens would be in favor of teaching creationism in public schools if the teachers were teaching it as if it was fact, as if it was true? Yeah, so I think it's probably not going to be a useful way to have this conversation to sort of do the sort of big Socratic buildup. Like, I think we could just kind of say, you know, say what we think. And, you know, and if you, you think, oh, well, look, I, I, look, I'm, 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 look I'm, making, I'm making a point here, and it sounds oh. like you agree with me that Christopher Hitchens would ban something that was being taught that was factually incorrect, like, like uh, creationism, in public schools. Like I, I understand that the language divisive concept is so, so you know, I think nebulous. This is, why, this is why I think it's really useful to just mm-hmm. sort of make the argument. And then if you want to say, hey, here's why I think that argument would apply to creationism, we can have that discussion. Uh, I think that the um, so, you know, I think that basically anti-CRT laws. And I know you guys are blocked and reported fans. If you've uh, if you've listened to the episodes of that show where they talk about the anti-CRT laws, what you'll hear them say is that um, basically they fall into two categories. Some of the anti-CRT laws are just purely performative. They're redundantly rebanning things that would have already been illegal anyway, um, like sort of forcing students to affirm, you know, beliefs and, you know, things that uh etc you know that like you know political political statements that would be already be illegal under other laws uh and then so you don't object to that obviously because they're already illegal right yeah i think some of them i think are just dumb and performative but they're not to do any damage i think i think the ones that i'm worried about are the ones that aren't redundant um and you know what i would you know what i would worry about there uh and again i think if you listen to those episodes they do a good job of sort of breaking down uh a lot of the details of these and it's helpful uh is that none of them um you know that like they have they tend to be written a lot of these in such a vague way that i think there's going to be a real chilling effect uh on even broaching certain topics because it's so unclear what would actually uh, what would actually break the law that if you're a teacher who doesn't want to get into trouble, the sort of path of least resistance is to just like entirely steer clear of uh, of subjects that well, might tr- look, I agree. Play. I totally agree with you there. And the de- divisive concepts well, uh, well, I'll let you speak. Okay. Let me just finish. Look, yeah. I, I think the point that I want to make is, and look, I'm not trying to gotcha you, Ben. I'm really not. Look, I think Christopher Hitchens obviously would have been in favor of banning things like creationism if it was be t- being taught as it was fact in public yeah. schools because it's not factual. So if you're looking at CRT, the question that we have to ask is, are they teaching stuff that they're that is kind of CRT-ish? You know, I know a lot of people object to they they think okay well this white privilege walk stuff is not necessarily CRT I you know if you don't want to call it CRT you can call it whiteness studies whatever it is if that thing that they're teaching is not based in reality is not factually correct and we can have a conversation about that I think Christopher Hitchens would have been in favor of banning it I don't think people should be teaching stuff 
in school that is not objectively true or correct. And that was Christopher Hitchens message. So, yeah. So, so, so I, I, I disagree with, mm -hmm. I think most of the components of that. So let, let me just run through that really quickly. Uh, so I think that, um, I think that it, I think context matters a lot. And one of the reasons that I'm not that moved by that analogy to creationism is that, uh, is that I think that the sort of context of like humanities kinds of classes, uh, social studies, literature, et cetera, is very different from the context of science classes. And putting aside what Hitchens's position was, which, you know, I mean, I guess we can go back and look at the things that he's written about this, but they have a, but, uh, you know, but my position would be, if you had like a philosophy class, you know, we generally, you know, if, if we're living in France, everybody would be taking that in high school and the US not so much. Uh, but like, if you have like a high, you know, outside of like some private schools and stuff, if you have like a philosophy class in high school, and I would have no problem whatsoever with people reading like arguments for the existence of God, like you know Alvin Plantinga or you know, Thomas Aquinas or something in high school philosophy class. Uh, I you know I think the problem is in the science class. I think that the you know I think the objection about creationism is about standards of scientific rigor. And I guess part of the question here, just really quickly, might be, like, what do you think the goal is of, of a school? What do you think the goal is of, of these classes? And, you know, if one of the big things that we're trying to do with public education is to make people, you know, better citizens in a democracy, that I think, uh, you know, I think encouraging critical thinking skills is, is important. And that's one of the reasons I've said, you know, when I've written about this a couple of times that even, even though I, I actually disagree about tons of stuff with people like Derek Bell, like if you took one of those, I mean, I don't think it's very good literature, but if you took one of those like Derek Bell short stories to like illustrate some of his ideas and like plunk that into an English or social studies class, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. I think that. Well, I, let me, I, let me ask you a question. Yeah, ben. If yeah. you, if, you could teach a st story to people as factually correct that was complete uh, lies okay uh, and it impre it doubled people's critical reasoning skills <laughs> should we teach that class um no but i think that the but i think that the way that a good teacher should be presenting texts that you're reading in anything like a social, you know, social studies, uh, history, English, etc. I think that the way, like any kind of primary sources that you're you're reading there, or really anything, anytime you're talking about just controversial ideas, I don't think that the sort of role of a good teacher is to tell people exactly what they should think about those controversial no, ideas. Look, I agree, but I, my point is that there are fact claims inside critical race theory that i think are factually incorrect and do not belong in the classroom so well since, okay, since you said you better... disagreed with me but go so, ahead so, so really really quickly on the hitchens yeah. point uh just because this was all introduced with him right uh one half of the reason that you know i i you know i was thinking about this was writing the hitchens book one half of the reason i think that you know, there are lots of things i have no idea where we've come down on but one one half the reason i'm pretty confident about this one is about some of his, you know, like very strong defenses of the idea that we want to have sort of open discussion about controversial ideas and all that. But the other half is that he would agree actually more, much more than I would, I think, uh, with a lot of the factual claims you're objecting to. I mean, Christopher Hitchens supported reparations. He, uh, 
you know, you can watch a debate from like uh, late 2001 about it. There's like an anthology about reparations that, you know, that, that he's, uh, that he's in. I mean, a lot of the stuff that he said about that, I think that he, you know, I think he would actually be a uh, bit closer to their side than uh, even me and definitely. Well, so I think a better comparison than creationism to teaching CRT would be Nazism because my issue with it's like, so if you have kids and they're in history class in high school and they're learning about World War II, you know, I don't have a problem with the teacher saying like, you know, talking about like the Nazis and you have to explain what the Nazis believe so that you can understand the context of what the war is. But we're not sitting there thinking, well, the teacher is actually a secret Nazi. The teacher is advocating for the, you know, Naziistic thinking or policies. We don't really have that concern. If we did have a concern that there were a bunch of Nazis infiltrating our school, then I think we would be a lot more hesitant to, well, maybe we shouldn't be spending a lot of time talking about what the Nazis believe. Maybe we should be looking at to make sure that there aren't specific concepts of Nazism that are being snuck into other elements of the teaching, such as, you know, blood and soil arguments or race realism arguments or something to that effect. And the problem I have with CRT or just CRT concepts being taught in school is because it does seem like a lot of the people that are pushing this do believe in CRT. They're not just simply saying like, well, here's a descriptive thing. You know, here's one of many philosophies. And let me describe it to you the way you would in like, you know, a college or maybe even a, at a high level high school philosophy class. They are, this stuff is taught prescriptively as if this is true. Yeah. So um, I, I think one thing I'd say about that is that um you know, I am skeptical about how much stuff uh, that, you know, in a lot of these places was ever in a high school classroom. Mm-hmm. It's really that similar to um, to CRT. I think that's actually one of the reasons to worry about a chilling effect, because it's not like, oh, well, you know, we had Derek Bell in the curriculum before and now we'll just take it out because the state legislature says to. Uh, it's uh, It's that like, oh, they're like, very upset and they they want us to you know and they have this really vaguely worded law that uh that we now have to abide by shit what do we do to uh to to abide by it and that is i think something that you know i think makes uh schools less places that are open to people thinking about ideas and developing critical thinking skills and all that so that's one thing i think uh that um, and I'm not, I'm, look, I'm certainly not denying that. You, you don't think they talk about white supremacy in school? I mean, it's, they talk about it in popular culture all the time. They brought it up in the Barbie movie. I mean, come okay, on. So, so, uh, well, this is part of the first thing I was saying that I, I think, um, about oh, how it's, I, it's separated from Marxism is what you're saying. Or oh, CRT no. specifically. No, no, no. I mean, we're not talking about Marxism at all right now, I think, right? Okay. I think about CRT, right? They have a, so... That uh, that I don't think if you know I don't think like it, I think it's probably unhelpfully overextending the concept of CRT to say like any mention of white supremacy uh, counts as CRT. But you know I'm certainly. Well, I mean, how are you defining CRT? Just well, like a wait, simple wait, so, definition. So wait, 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 wait. Okay, there's a couple of things. First of all, I just want to be clear: when you say critical thinking, you mean it in a classical sense. You don't mean like critical theory sense, right? No, I, I mean like critical thinking, like you know, you're good at uh, interrogating ideas. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Just want to make sure. Okay, so to to what you're yeah. saying, Adam, yeah. obviously, you know, we can talk about white supremacy it has nothing to do with CRT. If you're talking about like you know uh, slavery or yeah. Nazism or, or something that affect is obviously this idea that white people have some kind of race realist supremacist position over non-white people. 
Um, but then it, if it's talked about in terms of like, we currently Systems. live in a white supremacist society and we are kind of inculcated with white supremacy. And let me talk to you all about how there's like, all this stuff is still inherent in Properties our system. Properties of blah, whiteness. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. Then, then that is when we're straying into the CRT territory. So that would be the difference. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, part of the difference between us here might be that even though I think I disagree with a lot of a lot of actual CRT and a lot of the stuff that you're kind of associating with CRT, although to the extent that CRT is like a this thing that comes out of critical legal studies, that's this sort of, you know, theoretical framework. I, you know, I worry about how wide we're casting the net, but they have a but like. I think another difference is just like I would, I think, resist the Nazi analogy. I think that even, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I disagree with a lot of stuff that I don't think is as bad as the Nazis. And I, uh, well, he, he's not, well, I'm saying, not saying it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if there's some philosophy that I think is very against the philosophy I like and the philosophy against, you know, liberalism and American values. I don't really want that being taught prescriptively in school by people who I think want it uh, to replace and supplant the American philosophy. This is why I used creationism, Sitch, because it's it's like yeah. less offensive. Well, I mean, but but this is the this is the point though that the that if you're saying you know I think the sort of force of the Nazi analogy is here's something that's so bad that we sort of think it should be outside of the conversation that this is this is something we should just kind of have a taboo about. Where like this is sort of this is sort of off limits. We've all decided. Well, why is Nazism so bad? Um, I mean, that's uh, I think why is Nazism so so bad? I mean, yeah. that's, uh, okay. So um, I think that uh, I think genocide is really bad. I think right. that um, you know I, I think there are probably a lot of reasons. Well, Look, you just say I, with genocide, I, genocide's fine. It's a it's a philosophy that's obviously led to lots widespread genocide, right? And, and you agree. and look, yeah. you so, you so agree. I, I, Hold on, just one second. Okay, look, sure. you also agree. Yeah. Like creationism is not is not sinister, right? They well, literally, literally no, no, teach no, it on Sunday, but Wait, we still don't up. teach it in school. Sure, but I did make that distinction earlier, right? That, like, in other words, that I have no problem. With like in the context, look, of, uh, look. Here's the here's the point that I'm making. Sitch yeah. laid out a very good example. Like if we have Nazis in school talking about Nazism and teaching Nazism, I'm saying it's the exact same when the Christians, the evangelicals, want to go into school and they want to surreptitiously teach your kid creationism. It's the exact same thing. It just avoids the whole genocide topic, so, which so, triggers so, people. So, so okay, I'd like to address both of these, but. We kind of okay. have to decide which Go. one, and then give me a minute to do it, and then we can, you know, that we could do the other one. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, if we if we want to start, well, as long as you're going to address it, not from the we are comparing CRT to this other thing. We're talking at, at about certain, at a certain point, you're just going to have to let me say it, and then decide whether it, it you know, whether it's okay. okay. It's well, uh, just but that's not what we're doing. That's the only reason why I'm trying to. Okay, but it. like you literally don't even know where I was going with that because you're not. Okay. Me say it. So, Go ahead. You have uh, the floor. So, so yeah, okay. Really quickly, first on creationism, uh, I think that uh, I think that the context matters. I think that the objection to creationism or at least the objection i would find most compelling to creationism is less about the controversialness than about the sort of scientific rigor 
Uh, and I think that in a science class, I would have a problem with it. And but look, if you're in a philosophy class uh, and you want to have an argument that, you know, that the world must have, a, you know, must have been created by God, no problem whatsoever teaching it in that context. If we're going to talk about the Nazi one, my point, and I'm not saying that you think it's as bad, but is that thinking through why, you know, it's sort of just so easy to nod along to like, yes, of course, you know, we should be cracking down on the hypothetical Nazi teachers. Uh, I think the reason we have that reaction is because we've sort of decided as a culture that Nazism is just totally off limits. It's kind of not even up for debate, really. And I would say, and I mean, look, this is also my problem with a lot of Let's, let, well, hold on. Just, just let me. Well, let me I see. keep interrupting you because oh, you're, not, you're, you're not, you're not answering the, I, you're not, look, you're not you answering know, the question. I, I'm trying so hard to answer the question, but like. But you're you're I, not, you're missing our point. That's why I okay, keep interrupting. Okay, I, let, let, wait, let Ben answer and then let me respond to that. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Yeah, let me just get through it and then you can decide whether I'm missing your point because I tr- keep trying to make a really straightforward point and then, you know, so. Right. I get it. Go ahead. So the reason, so. This is also my problem with a lot of lefty stuff that I think is too moralistic and censorious that, sure, all cultures are going to have taboos. I don't deny that, right? Things that we just decide are kind of off limits that are not even really up for debate. But I worry about expanding what we think is off limits and not really up for debate. And I worry about that with some lefty stuff that I don't think takes the sort of value of free speech and open debate about controversial ideas seriously enough. And I worry about it with stuff like so-called anti-CRT laws that I think uh, that I think overextends the, the concept. I think some of these things like are huge parts of American political discourse and I think sort of policing classroom discussion to make sure that nothing in the vicinity of them is even discussed. I think it's, I think it's too chilling. I don't deny that there are teachers who are going to do cringe things that I don't like. There are social justice that, you know, I'm sure you could come up with tons of examples. There's a zillion teachers in America, but I worry more about sort of silencing classroom discussion and shutting down uh, that kind of, you know, that kind of exploration of ideas and development of critical thinking skills in classrooms. Then I worry about you know the cringe right so i I do want to address the chilling thing because i think that's important but before i do so the reason i asked why like why is nazism dangerous and why it shouldn't be taught um and i agree with you i mean obviously i am jewish i don't want nazism to be taught in america um is that yeah because it's you know and i agree that if you ask most people this they say well you know it's uh it leads to a lot of genocide and the reason I brought that up is because I feel like you could very well, maybe you would not obviously not make this argument, but a lot of people in America, especially people on the right, would make the exact same argument about teaching anything related to communism because of all the people that were killed under communist regimes for various reasons. So I don't know. I'm not sure that that's like a good way of conceptualizing the argument. Well, yeah. and just to get my my problem on the table, look, I, I'm making a distinction between teaching something descriptively and proscriptively and you keep defaulting to the fact that they you know just assuming people are teaching it descriptively when Sitch's examples are people who are hardcore nazis or my example is hardcore evangelicals who are kind of saying you know we're teaching it descriptively but really are teaching it proscriptively yeah um so 
I mean, on the, um, you know, on the communism point, I mean, I think that uh, I'm sure that they they would, you know, they would uh, they would make that argument. Certainly, if that's supposed to have anything to do with CRT, see the bulk of our previous discussion about why I think those are completely unrelated uh, concepts. But uh, in uh, but on a more, you know, on a more general level, like I think that uh, sort of exploring why we have this uh, this this Nazi taboo uh is um you know i i mean i think that could be an interesting discussion but i think that the i think that the sort of bigger thing for me is do we want to are we more worried about us not having enough taboos about which ideas are off limits for discussion or are we more worried about having too many taboos about which ideas are off limits for discussion and i know adam that you're making this this descriptive uh, proscriptive distinction, a uh, prescriptive distinction, but even in the course of making that distinction, uh, you know, I think you're sort of acknowledging the blurriness, you know, that you're saying, well, they might, you know, they might claim that they're doing it, you know, prescriptively, you know, descriptively, but, you know, we really know that they're, that they're prescriptive and a lot of these laws uh, are not, you know, that like, again, at least the ones that actually extend what's, what's already illegal, uh, are not really are not really making that distinction, and this is, I think, the real question here about how you feel about these laws. Is are you sort of, you know, worried that um, you know, essentially having, you know, the the state legislature, you know, peering over the shoulder of of classroom teachers uh, to to make sure that nothing slips into sounding, you know, too prescriptive or whatever. That like, do you do you want to err on the the side of more of that or less of that? I think that's well, going to be mm-hmm. a lot of big distinction here. Well, I mean, we do obviously. Yeah, we already do. I, that. I assume you agree. Like, you which know, is we why, all have why, which standards. Why I, for... I didn't say it as an absolute. I said, do you want to err on the side of? More? Right, I, I understand. I understand. Right, because we you know we have standards for public schools, and sure. you know the left is very. It seems usually the left is one kind of concerned about how you know with the private school vouchers. And it's, you know, they want to make sure the private schools follow standards and all these things too, which that argument kind of stemmed, my yeah. understanding of that argument really stemmed from a making sure that Christian schools were teaching things up to state standards. So there was this concern um, about misinformation or prescriptive things being taught in, you know, schools that were receiving public funding. So I do think that that is definitely the consideration of the electorate and of the state. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like, what side are we going to err on? I mean, normally I would agree that I'm on the side of trying to err for, you know, more freedom. And this is why I did bring up the prescriptive descriptive thing, because if I felt confident that people like when people teach Nazism, it's not really not only am I not concerned that the teachers are not Nazis, but I'm also not concerned that like people understand what it is. Like if, if you starts talking about Nazis, everyone understands what it is. If people start talking about CRT, it is vague because I would argue because not just that there are people on the right that do label things that are not CRT, CRT, but because there has been a completely dishonest or ignorant attempt by the mainstream media to basically just say, oh, CRT is just teaching about black history. CRT is just teaching about systemic racism. And that's not true. CRT is a very specific worldview that is very different from the classical civil, uh, the classical liberal civil rights movement about how races should interact with people in American and American society. And I think if you look at these CRT laws, I haven't listened to the 
specific blocked and reported podcasts that you're referring to. Um, but if you the CRT laws that I've seen or the anti-CRT laws, all of them seem to be kind of what you were saying as mostly what I would consider performative in terms of they're outlawing things that we would all imagine should be outlawed anyway. And yet we don't see the the newspapers and the media just saying, oh, you know, all this stuff is totally fine. You know, who cares? They all they all go, oh, my God, this is the secret Republican dog whistles to stop people talking about black history. And they make the kind of the chilling effect argument that you make. But when I read these laws, they seem pretty clear to me what is permissible, what is not permissible. And if there was some concern about like what exactly they mean, I would believe that Democrats or even the state legislatures, some have done this, Oklahoma has done this, have laid out uh, extra criteria to more explicitly explain what is permissible, what is not permissible under these guidelines. And I think this chilling effect is literally created by the misinformation of the media using this as a political wedge issue just to attack Republicans. It is not really inherent in the law itself. Okay, so so we have a disagreement about the law. I think that, again, some of them I think are just performative. I think the ones that aren't uh, often are pretty vague. Uh, and and there really is a problem there. I guess we want to go deeper on that. We'd have to start looking at like the text of uh, of some of these. But I'd also I'd also make a distinction about okay, is CRT just uh, just like sort of talking about the history of like slavery and segregation and stuff? Uh, well, if if we literally mean critical race theory like Derek Bell and Kimberly Crenshaw, no, definitely not, right? It's definitely like goes way beyond that. Uh, but if you say, well, are uh, are some of these anti-CRT laws uh, ones that you know would legitimately make people nervous about talking about those subjects because you know for fear that the you know wrong parent could think that they're running afoul of uh, of some of this stuff, then I actually do think that's a legitimate concern. But where I am going to agree with you is that, yeah, look, I mean, some of the media coverage is, uh, you know, I, I think that I think that there's a lot of media in 2023 that's just all about um, sort of pandering to narratives that are going to make whatever portion of the audience you still have in a very fractured uh, media landscape, very, you know, very whipped up about it. And like, oftentimes it's going to be misleadingly incomplete and et cetera. And I think that both the sort of, um, kind of original panic that generated a lot of these laws, you know, that they're, they're all, you know, that, oh, your teachers were all, you know, teaching your kids to hate white people and a lot of the, uh, oh my God, every single one of these things is banning us from talking about slavery um kind of response i think both of those are probably oversimplified narratives that you know are you know maybe latch on to bits and pieces of the truth but you know it's there's a i, I do think we have kind of a broken media landscape where there's like way too little there's there's way too little incentive to add nuance that your audience isn't going to like is there a is there one of the anti-crt laws that you know that you think is a problem that i can kind of like latch on to because the ones i've seen i just don't really see what the problems sure. are uh so i can you know I mean, if you want to keep talking i can look up the one sure. i was originally looking at um pc thanks so much for the 10 gifted memberships thank you pc uh tamango for four months says i listen to every show while doing pest control that's <laughs> awesome uh a team wins hearts and s class wins minds what is something you learned doing this you didn't expect it's a good question 
What is something you learned doing this, Adam, that you didn't expect to learn? Well, I mean, obviously I'd never expected to learn MMT. That was kind of jumped out at me. <laughs> um, I never expected to learn generations theory. That was wow. kind of a, a new twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I never expected to learn any of basically any of the subjects, you know, that I've spent way too much time uh, looking up on. But I mean, I, I don't know. I never expected to kind of get a deeper insight, I think, into how these conversations play out, especially public conversations, especially how sort of uh, people interact in these highly politicized charged spheres. I mean, we talked about this in the other stream where a lot of people in the space basically view these conversations as like end goals to get people to vote for certain candidates and everything has to be framed around that. <laughs> oh, I know. And obviously I don't feel that way at all. And it's funny because when we talk to people who do feel that way, kind of like Josiah, it's like there's just this complete disconnect in how we can have a conversation. Right. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Everything has to be perceived through the lens of, well, how will this affect the 2024 election when right. like we're just trying to have interesting conversations and get to some truth. So right. Also, yeah. I'd also I'm always fascinated with by people who do see everything through that frame, mm -hmm. having even live in states that are meaningfully up for grabs. Oh, right. I yeah, know. Like, exactly. Exactly. It's got to be more yeah. hectic, right? You live in a swing state and all of a sudden your neighbors are at your throat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, I, I don't know. I always just think it's funny. I mean, well, I guess we both now live in California. Like that's like how, how excited people who live here get about who exactly you're going to vote for in 2024. And it's like, you know, there's like a <laughs> 0. 0.000 chance. Oh, I know. I know. It's California's electoral votes. Like, yeah i mean i live in florida and this you know obviously yeah. seems like it's definitely going to go to trump again and i yeah. said i might not, i said i'm probably not going to vote or i might not vote this time and this guy was like really like well you're just supporting trump I'm like but it's, it doesn't matter what i do like i don't know what you want from me yeah i mean i think there's this kind of obsession and by the way the i did find the thing that i'd like to the original article i dropped in the I, chat uh but um but yeah i mean i think there's this obsession that people have with like what's going on with your individual vote and i'm not like totally averse to having that conversation about you know third parties and lesser evils and all that stuff although i kind of I, I sort of wish we would wait until a little bit closer to the election to start taking up a bunch of oxygen with it but like um it's getting heated on the left i mean it's kind of yeah. crazy over the cornell west stuff i know which is so yeah it's uh it's frustrating to me because it's like this is like, you really want to spend like the next year and two months arguing about this. This is, uh, if nothing else, this is going to get so boring and suck away so much oxygen from other things I'd rather talk about. But like, yeah, people people get so mad about, you know, about who you're going to vote for. And I don't know, you're like a, a Democratic Party shill if you're going to suck it up and vote for Biden. And, you know, you're a crank if you're, you know, vote for Cornell West or whatever. And it's like, I mean, again, so many of these people live in states where it doesn't matter. And like, even if it does, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It just feels like there's this obsession with like your individual vote that almost makes me wonder if, you know, well, I think, I think this is it, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a reflection of the sense of powerlessness people have about the political system that it's like, hey, here's the one thing that seems to be under my control that, you know, I get to make this gesture where I, you know, I, I go out and cast this vote so we're gonna like hyper obsess about it and make this like the morally most important thing ever you know what you, mm -hmm. what you do even though well, i mean like i want to yeah. make clear i'm in favor of people voting i mean i think it's good sure. that people vote 
but I don't, if someone says that they don't want to vote or they vote for someone, I don't want them to vote for it. I, I just, I don't think it's right for everyone to lose their minds. over. Yeah. That. Vote <laughs> shaming is what they call it. Right. Which I, you know, I'm against, I'm 1000% against vote shaming. Well, that's true. But yeah, you voted yeah. for Kanye last time. So. <laughs> <laughs> look, I voted be, for Kanye. You should be ashamed. Look, Most I voted for Kanye pre white supreme or pre Jewish question. Okay. So. It's the uh so you and the uh you and the always sunny gang. Oh well yeah. Look, Good. you didn't have much you didn't have much of a choice in that election anyway. So right. Okay, so anyway, I brought up the uh sure. the thing yeah. that you sent. So yeah. what is what do you want to hold yeah. down here? No, I mean I am I'm literally just like uh I mean I haven't reread this just now or anything, but like you know, you were you were asking for an example. And I said, okay, this is the this is the one that I was talking about in the original article. Uh, so if you wanted to like go over it, you know, we could go over it. Uh, sure. Okay. So do you want to read well, through the, it? So the well, the first part of this seems to be kind of what you see in all the CRT bills because I believe they all use the same framework that Chris Rufo created, yeah. which was um. So the things that are prohibited from being taught are, number one, that one race, religion, ethnicity, or sex is inherently superior to another race, religion, ethnicity, or sex. I assume you agree with that. That's which, fine. Is, which, is, which is presumably, I mean, that's that part is pretty performative. Like it sounds not, like Nazism that they're sure, trying I, to ban. Sure. I, I would agree it should I mean, be performative. But, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it just right. like that just that just kind of feels like the uh, the. You know, when I give my dog a pill, I put it in some peanut butter. You know, it's like that's the that's like, hey, you know, look at this. Like, oh, I see. you're saying this is like the this is the wash it down. They're gonna put the pe this is the peanut butter they use to trick you to swallow the poison pills. That well, I think I, just, I think that it's part of like a I think it's a rhetorical strategy. It's like okay. it's something that like nobody can object to. At the you know, uh, I mean, and, hope. okay, what's the part where we can't object? Okay, so too. number two. An individual by virtue of their race, religion, ethnicity, or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. So I think now we're getting into territory that like is the idea that there's some that there's like such a thing as unconscious bigotry, or that there's like a, there's there's some sense in which you can have like a system of bigotry, even without the, you know, the people, uh people who are involved in it sort of consciously thinking that, you know, that the, uh, that, or that like there are certain things that are going to be invisible to people in a privileged position or whatever. Like, you know, again, these are, these are not ideas that I particularly love uh, or find or find like super helpful. I think there's probably some truths to some of them, but it's like, I think, uh, but, but I, I do worry that now we're getting into some pretty mainstream views and sort of saying well any kind of you know any kind of discussion of these like incredibly widely held views about controversial topics is is just you know is just verboten right no no talking about well, any of this in the classroom it doesn't say that they can't teach about the concept of unconscious racism or unconscious bias it's just saying you can't teach that because of someone's race that they necessarily have unconscious or conscious bias, which I would assume you would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think, right. I mean, I, you know, I, I suspect we disagree about this, mm -hmm. right. But I think that this is getting into territory where there is uh, some, you know, some troubling vagueness because I don't think 
for the most part, right? This is uh, Virginia, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, that, you know, I don't think, I suspect that there are a lot of Virginia classrooms, you know, before this is passed, where there's a, uh, there are a lot of people saying literally every single person, uh, you know, who's, you know, who's, who's white is, you know, unconsciously, unconsciously racist. Uh, the, I think Sam Cedar said that to us in his conversation with us. Yeah, he did. Did he? Okay, I haven't, yeah. I haven't watched. I haven't watched his uh, his conversation with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a okay. So Virginia, Virginia high school teacher Sam Cedar. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the I think that there's like a lot of question in my mind at least mm-hmm. right, about like if you are discussing like the concept of unconscious racism you know that if you you know that like hey a lot of people would say that you know if you're white if you have you know white privilege which is not a phrase i love but whatever you know that like you have a that there are going to be like disadvantages that are faced by other people that are going to just structurally because of your position they're going to be invisible to you you know you're not going to see it well it's not Uh, really biased i mean that's well okay but like the very I think that this is the kind of thing that it's like any kind of discussion of this concept, I would, uh, you know, I think if you're you're a Virginia teacher with a sense of self-preservation who's read this law, you know, like, uh, you know, you're going to want to be careful about getting too close to any of this because you have a, because, you know, because you don't want it to be interpreted as uh, as violating the law. I and mean, that would be my Well, opinion. I mean, yeah, but like, to, so... That's only if the newspapers and the media portrays it that way. Because if you just a plain reading of it just is individuals by virtue of their race are inherently racist, whether consciously or unconsciously. I mean, to me, I would look at that and I would classify it as performative, like like the first one. To me, it's just like, okay, that's just obviously something everyone, well, not everyone, I would hope everyone in America yeah, would agree is not something that should be taught. I mean, there are there are gray areas here. Uh, I think that it's I think that it's a little bit less performative than the first one. I think that like what I just laid out is the kind of thing that I could imagine, uh, you know, being an idea that was discussed, and then we could argue about whether it was being discussed in a sufficiently descriptive way, or if it was. Well, it's not being discussed. I mean, shade, shade, being prescriptive, right? But it's like that's the kind of thing that I think it's sort of legitimate to you know, to, to bring up and, you know, as like a, Hey, here's, you know, here's what a lot of people would say. What do you guys think? Whatever kind of way in, in a classroom, what I just laid out would be. And I think if you have like a very narrow reading of the text there, uh, you know, you could argue that what I just said uh, didn't fall into that, but I could definitely see how even in a world where like the media had completely ignored this, where the, this person, mm-hmm. was, you know, Chris Rufo's tweet, uh, where he has the text of the law was the only thing that they'd ever read. And they happened to have read that the night before. And they were starting to go down this road that they could think, Ooh, danger Will Robinson, right? Let's not, uh, let's not get, uh, let's not get too close to this. Cause this, uh, this might sound, this might sound too similar to this thing that the, you know, the state legislature has just banned. Well, do you think that the Republican legislature is passing this? Is this just like, uh, a vagueness in the wording have they been tricked by christopher rufo are the republicans themselves secretly trying to i, I don't know if I, dog whistle was the right word but subversively kind of get teachers to stop doing this what, what's yeah. happening here yeah uh i think that the overall i think that there's a lot of panic about this stuff in right-wing media 
and you could argue that some of it is justified. Again, I'm I'm certainly not here to deny that you know that there's there's ever been anything incredibly cringy that social justice related that's happened in a public school. Uh, I tend to think it's overblown. Uh, that, but uh, but there's been a lot of panic about this stuff in right wing media. So I think that the I think the state legislature then like rushes in to sort of prove that they're doing something about it. And sometimes the thing that they do in response to that, to pander to the base, to prove that they're doing something about it sort of doesn't matter because it ends up just being like, you know, purely performative. It kind of doesn't ban anything new. Uh, and sometimes it does matter because uh, it's, uh, it's going, you know, it's going further and banning new things. And it's, you know, a, a lot of this stuff is a little bit sloppy because they're just kind of like, Hey, what can we do? That sounds like a pretty robust, like we're really doing something here, uh, law. And, uh, and yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I think this is the core of our disagreement, right. That I do worry about that, uh, that, that chilling effect. I do think that like when you're sort of introducing, a lot of new rules like a lot of like oh here here are the new lines that you're not allowed to cross in order to sort of um score culture war points with your constituency to show that you know to show that you're on top of something i think that there is a, right. a, right. i think there's a real danger of that uh of that having these bad effects in in practice and sort of making it the case that you're going to have like less not more um you know, discussion of controversial ideas in classrooms, which I, I actually want, right. I'm, I'm less worried about people being brainwashed than I am about, uh, than I am about them. Not, you know, like not the schools, not serving this kind of function of promoting, you know, critical well, thinking, so sort of yeah, creative citizens. Right. But, but my, okay. So my argument is uh, just, you know, as I said, you look at, you plainly read the statute, what it says, I don't see how, like if a teacher was teaching, in Virginia was teaching just the concept that, you know, someone could have an unconscious racial bias. Okay. They're not saying that you, that you inherently have it because you're white. They're just saying that this exists. It's been studied to some extent. I don't, you know, they've done the eye test of my understanding. Those studies have never really shown that anyone acts upon it whatsoever. Um, So that, so a teacher's time out that you, do you think, because I would say, no, I don't think the state, would that teacher would get in trouble. And if they did, I think they would 100% be able to sue and win that case because I think any judge would read that law and say, oh, well, they didn't violate the law whatsoever. And it's really just, again, the media kind of drumming up the fear and the fear is what's creating the chilling effect, not the law itself. Yeah, that's where we disagree. So I, right. I, think that the, um, I think that if on one end of the spectrum, you have a teacher actually saying the words, every single white person by virtue of their race uh, you know, is uh, is is racist, which again, I'm very skeptical about how often that was happening in Virginia classrooms uh, before this. Uh, that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is what you just said, where you're making this very narrow claim that uh, unconscious bias exists, and you know, you're referencing some studies or whatever. And then uh, I think there's a lot of stuff in between it. I think my original example was somewhere uh, was somewhere in between, like the the example where the person is saying that, well, you know, structurally due to your position as somebody who doesn't experience, you know, racism, et cetera, that, uh, that, you know, you're just going to be blinded to, uh, you know, you're just going to be blinded to these kinds of harms that are experienced by, uh, by, by black people, that this is a sort of big innate problem. That's not just a sort of matter of moral character. 
but this is just this big innate societal problem. Uh, and, uh, and this is, and this is something you just, you just have to work to become aware of as, uh, as a white person that like that one, I think is somewhere in between your example and the example where somebody is actually using the exact words that are banned in the law. And, uh, would they, uh, would they win that case? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. I also think that like, I also think that even if not for the media element, even if all they're doing is reading, you know, the plain text of the law, uh, I think that, you know, I, I think that if, I think if I were, uh, you know, I think if I were a teacher, I would want to not get in trouble in the first place, not to like eventually win an expensive lawsuit years later. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have seen schools. I don't know if there's one in Virginia. I have seen schools that have been, were teaching, uh, books where they would have like they would kind of go, they would use that whole term about how we need to deconstruct whiteness and they mm-hmm. literally would have a picture of like whiteness that had it was like a contract with devil horns and it would say like don't sign a contract with whiteness and when i looked at you know during Six. the kind of blm period you know yeah. one of the big authors that was being pushed was robin d'angelo i mean we saw her literally everywhere she was on major talk show ho- you know, talk shows with her book, White Fragility. And she was making the argument that all white people living in our white American society had this level of of racism kind of built into them, uh, not necessarily because they're white, but because they're white and they're living in this white supremacist system. So therefore they have to enact white supremacy by simply acting it out. And so I don't think it is really that like bizarre of a worldview. Like it, it is a pretty common thing that was being pushed and I think still is being pushed. Yeah, but again, which is which is the thing, right? Is it the thing that I said, right? Or is it like where you would actually say the words, uh, you know, all white people by virtue of their race, you know, are uh, uh, are are biased? Because I think that the because I think a lot of what you're describing, which you know, I hope is clear, by the way, is not my view, but like I think a lot of what you're mm-hmm. describing is closer to what I laid out as something I could actually imagine uh imagine somebody somebody saying right you know so i mean if the yeah, but what i said like regarding like like ram d'angelo that would be i imagine not allowed to be taught in schools and i do think that is racist to say that well if you're white and you live in this white society that i am defining as white supremacy then therefore you're inculcated with white you know supremacy and racism and therefore you are acting racist i do think that should not be taught in school yeah i mean again i think it i think a lot of it depends on um i mean Look, I don't think anybody should read Robin D'Angelo's dumb. Uh, <laughs> I think you should, right? You know, I think somebody like Derek Bell. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I I disagree with, but I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's not that far off from that. Kind I, of no, 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 but that's what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah. Like this, this is like I think there's a, fa- I think there's definitely at least a family resemblance between the views. Hence, mm-hmm. the a lot of stuff I disagree with, but I think there's like a lot of more intellectual nutrition uh in uh in there than there probably is going to be in uh in in somebody like you know d'angelo who yeah well, I, mean, I, 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 I i'm more concerned with the goal not with the nutrition along the way that gets well you. okay but but this is but this is this i think the fact that you're more concerned with that mm-hmm. might kind of get to the the heart of our our disagreement right because because i'm i'm not i'm more worried about sort of enforced conformity and kind of shutting up discussion of controversial ideas than I am about ideas that I don't like making it into classroom discussion. So I think if you have 
that sort of more intellectually interesting version of a variation and an idea that I don't like, I actually think that is going to be a relevant distinction for like, you know, what would be, what would sort of end up in a, uh, end up in a classroom and people can talk about it. And, you know, and, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about how much control, you know, teachers have over what people end up thinking. I mean, I can certainly remember, you know, lots of teachers that I had who, you know, who thought sure. said stuff that I thought was dumb and, you know, and I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not, uh, again, like, I, I think a lot of this is just, what are you more worried about? Are you worried about people being brainwashed into ideas you disagree with? Or are you worried about that, that like silencing effects and, you know, the idea that people actually should be have, able to have like classroom discussions about, you know, interesting and controversial. Ideas. Uh, right. I'm, I'm worried that people are going to be taught things that are untrue as if they are true. Yeah. Which was are, the entire are... debate over the creationism stuff right. that's exactly what the debate was well over. it's not things that are untrue but also i think will cause societal harm on top of that and make people more racist and cause more problems and yeah. i i mean i understand what you're saying that they're and i think what you're saying is accurate in terms of you know what do you think what do what do we all hold more important like huh. uh, trying to prevent you know the fear that that the schools are going to brainwash children or somebody to think a certain way or that it's going to create some sort of effect where certain concepts are not going to be be allowed to taught. But the reason why I'm more not why I'm not afraid of like the latter in terms of the CRT things uh-huh. is because again, if you just you know plainly read the law and we can keep going through it, I just don't really see how there's a good argument that a plain reading of this law will lead down that pathway. The laws seem pretty specific in terms of what's allowed, what's not allowed. And the fact that, yeah, as you said, which I agree with, yeah. is the that's when I read this law, I would say, OK, if this law was passed in 1964, the yeah. civil rights movement would be like, this is a miracle. They'd be doing backflips here. They'd be like, this is the best law that's ever been created. And it's only now, it seems like in 2023, where maybe there's people that want to kind of flip the racism around at white people that suddenly there's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be passing this stuff. Yeah. So uh, so I think that. uh I think that the, I don't think that there's ever been a point, I don't think in 1964, you know, uh, the civil rights movement would have been happy about a law against any discussion in the classroom of the concept that, you know, uh, that, you know, white people, you know, might have, you know, biases against black people, even if they weren't. Because uh, a person can inherently have biases depending look, on their race, so, which in 1964 hold, hold on would have been interpreted as like black people having inherent biases against white people. Well, hold and also look, Ben. Do you look? They obviously taught probably in school in the South at one time all the negative stereotypes about black people, right? Like that's undeniable. Correct. Um, at one time, like if uh, I mean, like let's say it is. Let's say it is correct. I don't want to like. I don't want to like go through the sort of look. All I'm saying is. Was it was it ever taught in schools per se? But it's like, look, if the point is, (laughs) look, it's do you agree that it would be bad for society if Southern schools were teaching negative stereotypes about Black people? Sure, and I would agree that it would uh, it would be bad for society if the exact flipped thing were happening. What we're disagreeing about is whether there's a plain reading of this law, and I think it's an incredibly sloppily written law, and I actually just don't agree that there's this plain reading. I mean, to me, this is like, you know, this is like hearing from like an evangelical 
that there's like a plain reading of the Bible where it definitely says what they say it says. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot more room for disagreement there. You know, Look, I, 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 what, I, what Sitch is saying, though, is if you uh, imagine in your head that sure. we're living in the 1950s, okay, and they're teaching all of these nasty stereotypes about black people in public schools, and Sitch reads this law. Go ahead, Sitch, read the law. An individual by the virtue of their race is inherently racist consciously or unconsciously well that that one is the first one would have been better but yeah well, the, but we're focused the on the second one because i because you said what you're saying that okay what what when what is the part i guess of that that is confusing or that you think is open to interpretation because yeah so i think that what i laid out earlier is something that could very easily be taken as violating it you where we're disagreeing is i guess only if you uh, ignore the first part of the sentence which which part an individual by virtue of their race yeah i think that the i think that by virtue of their race uh is i actually think that that i actually think that that is something that you know that is going to be interpreted in different ways in fact i think some of your examples have already shown that that's going to be uh interpreted in different ways Right. So does by virtue of your race mean like genetically does by virtue of your race mean something more like what I laid out earlier, something I could imagine. Again, it's not my argument, but it's an argument I don't think should be would, out I would of say bounds. either or it's either should or be or out. Of, yeah. OK, should be out of bounds for debate. Yeah. Uh, where, where you say uh, that in public school. Yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That they have a that in um, where you say that in a society uh, with all these, you know, with all these racial disparities and disadvantages, you know, for black people that uh, if you are a white person, by virtue of your structural position in that society, you know, you're, uh, you're going to be blinded to a lot of these, these harms. That's the sort of thing I can imagine them saying, that's like a sort of more realistic, less extreme thing that I could imagine them saying that I think you could make a you know i think well, being that, blind to racism or systemic inequalities is not being racist um i don't know i mean i that's like i i think maybe you have a very specific idea of racism in your head i would say that both that like even a lot of the stuff that like I, in fact i think a problem in general mm -hmm. with american race discourse in 2023 is that it's often incredibly unclear uh, what uh, what racism means that there are often like a bunch of different definitions sort of flying around and being implicitly used. I think that, you know, I mean, I think one way of using the word racism that's like actually pretty popular in some kinds of social justice concepts uh, is pretty much exactly that. Right. That they uh, that like uh, that racism uh, is about, you know, is anything that like I mean, again like a lot yeah, of people because they're they're trying to bad faith redefine racism to push the policies they want to push and they want to retain the negative power and association of the word racism so okay. i would say if you're not doing if you're not doing what we want you're racist right? okay so let's, I, I'm let's, assuming the virginia law is not that is passed by conservatives is not utilizing the most wokest insane version of the term racism okay i think that if you're saying that somebody who said that by virtue of being a white person in an unequal society, that uh, that you uh, that you're going to that there's this sort of built-in reason that you're going to end up being racist in what you're calling the the insane woke sense of racism. I think that 
I'm not at all convinced that somebody, somebody that that's the kind, that's not the kind of thing that they is the intention of the law to stop, you know, who the lawmakers regard as insane woke people from saying what they regard as insane woke things. Right. I think that that's, and I think certainly saying that, you know, like if your big defense of this, when you get into trouble is no, 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 no. Uh, well, this wouldn't count as racism in the sense that, you know, Republican lawmakers are more likely to mean if you ask them directly, this only counts as racism as people like me use the term racism. And of course, they know that people like me use it that way. No, I mean, they're using the, if you look up in a dictionary where it says racism, that's what they're using. They're not using this like redefined attempt that is on the edges of the conversation that woke people are trying to, sh- to sneak into the conversation. Okay, I think that they're- I, mean, I, th- I think they would just say, if, if that's what they wanted, they would just literally say, you can't promote this idea that just because you're white, you're blind to inequalities in our society. They would just say that if that's what they wanted to say. I, mean, I don't think they would say it. I think that they, uh, in fact, I think that it's very telling that there's no definition of racism here because it's a vaguely written law that's been written for performative effect to pander to the base, to show we're really cracking down on this stuff. Uh, and they have no particular interest in clarifying like which specific things that, you know, they're actually, that somebody might actually do they want to ban. They just want to say, hey, look at us cracking down on the bad people doing the bad things. And I think that like a woke person using the word racism in a woke way uh, and saying that in that sense, white people are racist, I think is very much the kind of thing that would be within the the purview of of what they what they want to crack down on. That seems that seems totally reasonable to me. Uh, well, let's see. I'm curious because I don't know if if they do have somewhere in the law what racism means. Um, the closest thing I could find is it says the terms of because of race or on the basis of a race or terms of civil import when used in reference to discrimination in the code and acts general assembly include because of or on the basis of traits historically associated with race, hair texture, hair type. Oh, I don't know why it's all about hair type. Maybe the specific law was about hair type, but I don't know. To me, I don't. I mean, surely they're not trying to crack down on people who are saying that, you know, white people are racist because of their hair type. Right. But I'm saying is to me, it's wasn't the law that had something to do with employer discrimination. So that's probably why it was about that. But to me, it seems very clear that when I read that, what it is talking about. And if someone has a, is kind of afraid of this fringe interpretation of the law, they should just do a test case, just teach it and have someone get sued. Okay. And the fact that these laws have been in place, for, I believe, interpretation. Well, I, well, wait, these laws have been in place, I believe, for a couple of years now. And I, I mean, I haven't heard of a single lawsuit or anything related to these CRT laws happening yet, where someone's just teaching something innocuous and then the state cracks down on them. So, uh, so this law in question that we're talking about uh, was, uh, I guess, last it was, year it was being January proposed originally, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think that the, I, I would, I would maybe gently suggest that when the shoe is on the other foot, that like the fact that something it's been like a year or two and there hasn't been like a, you know, there, and, uh, and there hasn't been like a prominent uh, test case yet is not something that anybody would like really say like, Oh, never mind. I guess there was nothing to be. Uh, well, there's, already, there's already been cases, cases I've disagreed with when yeah. the don't say gay parental rights education bill has been tested. So I just, I feel like, you know, there's enough of these, bills floating around states that if any, none. I mean, I agree with you, it could happen, but I'm just saying to me so far, the fact that it, you know, plain relating reading of the laws, plus the fact that it hasn't happened yet to me, makes me more convinced of my position. 
So we do have a disagreement about whether there is a plain reading of the law. I do think that there is a non-fringe, pretty obvious interpretation of the law that would be different from what you're saying. I'm also, I think, with anything, right, where you're uh, you're saying, you know, you're saying here are some new lines you can't cross. Here are some new taboos we're going to enforce. Here are some new subjects that are off limits, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or some new ideas that are off limits uh, for discussion. Uh, then. I think that a lot of my concern is going to be less about the people who completely ignore it and uh, whether they get in trouble or not, which I think is going to also realistically depend on a lot of factors like, uh, are they in a school district where people are likely to, um, you know, are, are more likely to to sort of zealously enforce this and get them in trouble, et cetera. I'm less worried about that than I am worried about the effect and we're dis- and part of what we're disagreeing about is okay is it just about a media narrative or is there ground for concern about this within the text of the law itself on whether there's a there's a kind of uh, you know of chilling effect here uh on you know on sort of discussion of controversial ideas that you should be able to broach in classroom discussion mm-hmm. that's um, why i keep bringing up this the clear examples just to drill down on the things that you would object to being taught in the classroom. I mean, that's why yeah, I, I, would, I would object to creationism being taught in a biology class. I wouldn't object to it being taught in a philosophy class. Well, and you'd be object to racist stereotypes being taught in Southern schools in the South. Yeah. And I think if you did some exact race flip version of it, uh, then I would equally object to that. I think part of the problem here is that I understand that part of your objection to the stuff that you're calling CRT is that you think that it's like ultimately, you know, kind of view from 10,000 feet too similar from that, but too similar to that. But I think that the it's, but I, I do think that there is a big difference. And I, I also think that, you well, know, you, you think that, the CRT has merit. That's the difference that you think. Well, I mean, again, I don't, I don't, I don't advocate CRT. I don't agree with CRT, but I think that they, but I think that there's, I think that like certain premises have plausibility, others don't, but like, well, like such as like white privilege and stuff like that. Uh, no, I mean, again, I, I, I think you're looking at where I was sort of saying, Hey, here's something I could imagine somebody okay. that would be an expression of, but like, I, I, I think you'll find that the only place in anything that I've ever written where I've used the phrase white privilege uh, was me criticizing the concept uh, in uh, in an Arc Digital Media article from uh, 20, 20, either 2020 or 2021. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I didn't know that. The, so we're at like two hours. Yeah. So, so do you, you guys want to do like a closing statement or something? I mean. Sure. Sure. I, I was just, I was just, I was just going to say like really really quickly like oh, it's i'm sorry I, I didn't realize i was muted this whole time oh, <laughs> I'm trying to talk. sorry okay. it's like I, muted well, myself. I, I mean i didn't meet you but whatever no I'm no no. Yeah, i muted myself because yeah, yeah. i coughed yeah, it's yeah. Fine. but no uh, what i wanted to say is so you were saying that like oh uh, kind of the that we're kind of viewing that crt is the, the yeah. kind of inverse of the southern white yeah. nat- southern racism and the thing is that's that's not our view i mean that's kind of yeah. crt's view because even in you know, the CRT key writings that form the movement, like literally the second page of the introduction, they're talking about how they're complaining, really, about how the civil rights movement linked uh, the racist South, like Southern white nationalist perspective with the racist black nationalist perspective. And they're complaining about that and saying that, you know, they want CRT 
the job part of the job of CRT is to disassociate that to say that we can still have these like explicitly you know race focused race conscious policies without without it essentially being linked with white racism so that's kind of what they're actually advocating for very explicitly yeah i mean i think there's probably going to be a difference between saying that something's like a race conscious policy uh or that you know you're um what's well, a nicer way of saying it that's the okay. difference I guess I do disagree with that. I don't think that's the only difference. Uh, I think that certainly in terms of what Adam said, where you're talking about sort of crude racial stereotypes um, that, you know, that we could sort of agree are off limits, uh, then uh, that I do think just saying somebody is advocating some sort of race conscious policy, like, you know, affirmative action or stuff like that. I don't, I don't think that that's, uh, I don't think that that's just the exact inverse of promoting some like really crude racial stereotype. I think that if you want to say that part of your objection to it is the same or that it's like there's 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 two, you know, even though it's not quite the same, it's not far enough, you know, for your liking, then I think that's like a more reasonable discussion to be had. And again, the 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 funniest thing about this entire discussion is that, you know, we ended up kind of uh spending much less time on what i actually do think than why i why i'm sort of leery about censorship of ideas that i don't even agree with mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i mean i think that i worry about you know the same the same way that like you might worry that somebody is saying that like you know what you're describing is like woke redefinitions of racism and stuff that it's like too close it's too far from the original thing that's given the moral charge to the accusation for it to be fair to apply the same word to it. Uh, I worry that you, even if you say, well, okay, we need to have like affirmative action programs to, to sort of undo the legacy of, you know, the disadvantages that come out of these or whatever uh, that, um, that, that, you know, you think that, well, that's too close to just being an inversion of of white racism i worry about taboo spread i worry about saying Mm -hmm. hey here's the thing we agree is clearly bad and we're just going to kind of kind of have a taboo about where we sort of consider it to be like off the table for discussion all societies presumably are going to have some of those but i worry about expanding the tent of things that are covered by those those taboos and we can't talk about anymore sure um so uh, Ayanna Percy Presley, the Democrat from Massachusetts, she said, or she tweeted that we don't know. She said it during a conference. She said, we don't need more, any more black faces that don't have black voices. Do you think that that's like a racist statement? I don't know if it's racist. I think it's dumb. What do you think? The, what do you think she's saying there? Because I interpret that as her saying that essentially, if you don't have specific opinions, that you're not really black. Yeah, or that you're not really like, I mean, I guess maybe you're not really speaking for the interests of black people, that you're like really, you know, speaking for the interests of some sort of white structure suppressing black people or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I, I mean, think that's kind of racist, dumb, but uh, sure. I mean, I'm not really, I mean, the reason I think it's dumb is because I think it flattens all black people into having the same interests, which, yeah, is, which is racist. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, I think it's just like whether or not you want to apply this word racism to it mm-hmm. and like sort of take the, you know, the moral charge that we all have about that word racism, because what we're thinking about is, you know, segregated drinking fountains and fire hoses and like extend the concept to this or not, whether or not we want to apply the word racism to it. I think 
I think it's inaccurate. I think it's flabby. I think that they, I think there are, you know, I think there are black workers and black bosses and, you know, black landlords and black tenants and, you know, black, uh, you know, black poor people who would benefit from policies that I like and, you know, black rich people who, uh, who wouldn't and black middle-class people whose, uh, whose, whose interests primarily lie in making it a little bit easier for them to advance up a class structure that like mm-hmm. I have a more, fundamental objection to and that these are that's that's just not a helpful that's just not a helpful way to talk i think that like i think that there's a sort of i think it's incredibly i think it's incredibly unhelpful that so much of american progressive political energy has sort of uh needs to define everything as a form of racism Mm -hmm. uh to be to be against it right you know that like it's it's not i i you know i think it's sort of like the last thing you know, the last thing since World War II we kind of all agreed on as a society uh, eventually, you know, was that uh, the segregation was bad and the civil rights movement is good. And so, you know, I get this disconcerting sense that there are a lot of people who can only get it up for any sort of political uh, action that they can frame as a reenactment of that. Mm-hmm. And I think the best of the civil rights movement, right. people like Bayard Rustin, uh, understood that uh, that whereas it is true that the sort of long historical shadow of segregation and all that sort of contributes to these injustices, like all black people well, being more yeah. likely to live in poverty and everything than white people, mm-hmm. that the solution was actually a universalist solution. That the yeah. solution is stuff like Baird Rustin's you know, freedom budget, that we need sort of universal economic policies that are just going to help with poverty in general, both because that's what we're going to be able to get together like a majority for, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how you're supposed to convince people to support something like reparations that would be a, uh, a sort of racially means tested uh, form of assistance that most people wouldn't qualify for. And, uh, and so it's, it's both pragmatically that makes more sense uh, strategically. And I think it also makes more sense morally as a goal, because like, I don't, I don't actually object like the sort of. Because you're racist. Yeah. I mean, the thing that seems primarily objectionable to me about lots of black people living in poverty, et cetera, is that anybody is living in poverty, regardless of, you know, regardless of 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 race. And, you know, I'm not denying the disproportionality, but I think we should sort of keep our eyes on that, that that larger, more fundamental goal. Well, I guess and I don't know how much time you have left, but uh, my last question, if you are out of time, is if if you don't like the concept of crt or wokeness kind of deriving or being rooted in something socialist or marxist what would like where does it come from then what is it like derived from philosophically yeah um i think that uh i think that it comes from a you know a misdiagnosis of the exact thing that i was just saying right you know that we'd say okay here's the situation that everybody can kind of see and i think this is it much more than any sort of like grand theoretical uh thing that you know that's kind of what people are start looking for when they want to assemble academic you know theories to justify their political perspective but i think the sort of basic political perspective is you have 1964 1965 we largely end this like de jour uh racial discrimination we had in the united states uh so it's no longer the case. Yes, I agree in schools and drinking fountains and all that stuff. But uh, you notice, uh, I think correctly, that there is all this uh, disparity, right? That it's it's not like instantly 
you have as many black people and white people in sort of more desirable and less desirable positions. Uh, and it doesn't seem likely that that disparity is going to go away on its own anytime soon. It seems like there are a lot of black people in really undesirable positions, you know, living in poor neighborhoods that especially if we go ahead a little bit from the mid sixties to like the seventies and eighties and nineties, right. Are subjected to, you know, various kinds of, uh, you know, policing and sort of carceral uh, approaches that people find objectionable that have a million social problems. Do you think it's just in a product of the environment? You don't think it's some philosophical teaching or anything? I, I think people look at that, that sort of correct premise that that is the situation. And they sort of say, okay, well, what's our analysis of how it came to be this situation and what should we do about it? And I think that they have sort of incorrect answers to both of those that are rooted in seeing seeing the new stuff as just a straightforward continuation of the old stuff rather than seeing the new stuff as a different problem that requires a different solution. They're saying like, okay, well, this must just be like a disguised form of this thing that we thought we just defeated uh, rather than saying like, no, look, people have uh, the, the main problem is that if people are, you know, not that racial prejudice ceased to exist or that nobody with, you know, with political or economic power was acting based or whatever, obviously that's not true. But like the main problem is just, hey, if you're born in poverty, you're way more likely to die in poverty than somebody who wasn't born in poverty. That like whatever, you know, wherever you are when uh, when segregation ends, right, mm-hmm. you're probably going to that's pro- I think just the sort of normal mechanism of capitalist property relations. There's going to be, you know, not completely this black middle class that's emerged since then, et cetera. But like to a very great extent, it's going to be hard to get over that on any kind of reasonable time scale. And uh, and that the solution to that, again, I think is a, is a universalist one, uh, much more than a sort of racially specific one right so i i i think that it's a i think it's a bad but understandable diagnosis of uh of real of real conditions of where they come from and what to do about them and i think it's one that's maybe also especially understandable when you start thinking about like the 90s and 2000s when these sort of you know more basic questions about how to organize an economy etc were sort of taken off the table that it's this is the era of the the end of history. There is no alternative that, you know, this is uh, the idea that we were going to have these grand debates about capitalism and socialism and all that stuff was just sort of seen as kind of quaint and dated. And so I think it makes sense under these circumstances, especially that these these sort of views that assigned the primacy of explanation to race gain more traction and views right. that were all about class less so. And I'd mm-hmm. like to reverse that. It'd be it'd be interesting. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this for you to have a conversation with a CRT person. It would kind of argue with them about how they perceive. Do they perceive that CRT has this, you know, philosophical foundation of Marxism or not? I'd be that'd be an interesting conversation, maybe between the two of you guys to have that. Yeah, I mean, there are people who who certainly try to combine, you know, combine some of these ideas. I find mm-hmm. a lot of that. I find yeah. a lot of that un- unhelpful, right? Like I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's you know Freddie DeBoer uh, has a nice article a while back whose title always sticks in my head. It's very simple. It's just perhaps we can't do both. Wow, like, that's that's you're saying that because you're white though. So yeah, I don't know if you know that. But. Fair enough. Uh, is there anything else, Adam? No, let's wrap it up. I told uh, mm-hmm. 
I told Ben two hours, and we have a bunch of super chats to read. So sure. Do well, you, thanks uh, for coming on, Ben. Um, yeah, it got a little contentious, time. Ben, but look, no hard feelings, obviously. And uh, you know, we're just I I we don't mean to got get got you on anything. So that's not mm. really my goal. But no, no, I just that's you know, I, th I think the only fair enough. I think the only <laughs> the only part like uh, you know, I. I mean, I think that there's like a certain point where obviously there's a balance between keeping the conversation moving and everything. And like, sometimes it's just like and looping. Hey, I understand. Yeah. There, there's, well, no, there's, yeah. there's a really specific argument I want to make. And I know there, you know where I'm going, but right. like, I don't think Look, you're right you, right you I honestly do not think that you ever address the, and people in the chat are asking about it. Nobody thinks that you address the difference between prescriptive and descriptive. So okay. I'm just like, I'm going to leave it there. Look, so, so, you can so, listen to the so, conversation. I, I tried I my hardest and look. Gonna, I've I've never you know, uh, I'm I'm sure you know I I think the way that chats tend to work. Look, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, look, I don't. I myself, I myself am using the chat as a verification of of uh, my, me, and and I don't think you ever address the difference okay, between okay. the prescriptive and descriptive. Look, if an if an I, evangelical I, I, went into no, a classroom no, no, and started teaching it, I think it's obvious. Yeah, that, the, that the, would be that would be a case where you're obviously on the prescriptive side. Yes. But, but as <laughs> okay. I said, as I said earlier, and I think you ignored this, you never responded to it. Okay. As earlier, you yourself in laying it out admitted that there was a lot of blurry gray area uh between the two. That you know, you said, Oh, well, people might say they're being descriptive, but we really know they're being prescriptive. And my point was I, where do you want to air, right? Like you're probably going to get a little bit wrong regardless, right? They have, uh, these are, you, you, know, you clean up, look, you clean up the law and make it more specific. Look, you and I can have that conversation, but it's hey, a well, completely you, different conversation. Like if okay. you're, if you want to argue that the law is unclear and that we need to make it clear, okay, we can have that debate. Yeah, but you are literally arguing that we shouldn't have a law, that people should be able to talk about whatever they want in the classroom. And I, I think that's ridiculous. Okay, but I explicitly said more than once, I don't think mm -hmm. people should be able to teach whatever they want. Okay. I said, obvious, well, hold on though, right? I said that obviously there are going to be standards, there are going to be limits, uh, but the question is, are we more concerned about, you know, people, you know, the bad ideas getting in because we haven't set strict enough limits, or are we more, uh, more concerned about, discussion of controversial ideas, the kind of things that I think are really core to the function of schools as places that can promote critical thinking and make better citizens, that happening less because of a chilling effect because we've gone too far and we're being too strict. Now, if you just add the word prescriptive to the law, the reason that that wouldn't uh, assuage my concerns is that I think oftentimes it's a judgment call. Like, are we, you know, is, unless you're actually saying Hey, children, you all have to agree with this, just to be clear, uh, that uh, I think that it's oftentimes it's a blurry uh, judgment call. Look, uh, there are cases, though, and this is why I keep bringing the cases up to where it's not blurry. That's why I keep bringing up the cases where it's like obvious racial stereotypes about certain groups. Look, that's not blurry. Like you, if they're teaching, if they're teaching racist stereotypes in the South about black that's, people. That's a very specific thing that I think we should make laws saying, hell no, you can't do that. I agree with that. And as, okay. I, as I said several times, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that like if it was just the exact reversal of that, I would also agree with making that off limits. Well, but this is I, this is my, this is my, where my, we my disagree. Concern <laughs> is yes, this is where we disagree. But I just object to being told I didn't address this. I address this really explicitly, right? Mm-hmm. My concern is about drifting away from the thing that would be the exact reversal and extending the taboo further and further that more and more things count. And I think that the I think that there is going to be in practice when it comes to things you know, that uh, people are likely to actually say, I think there is going to be a lot of judgment call about whether something has drifted into being too prescriptive. Now, could you maybe write, like, am I going to rule out absolutely that, you know, that the, the I don't know, you know, Virginia scraps this and they pass the Adam and Sitch statue that, like, is... Uh, that Clear, you know, that's very like concise. A, that's, like, that's like a perfectly written one that, you know, I'm not concerned about then like, maybe I would support that. Yeah, maybe I can't rule that out. You know, I'd have to look at it, but I can't rule it out. But like, I, I think that my, I think there's a more general issue here, right? Which is, do you think that, uh, that these laws are, um, that the, this is a sort of like appropriate response to stuff that's like actually happening at a scale that merits the response? Or do you think, that this is largely pandering to a well that that's like a completely different over, third well, article no, no, no. but but i think that like an overblown panic uh in uh, in right wing media that is that's, like, that's a third that, argument that is, that that's is, a totally third argument yeah okay. well that is that is likely to uh to have like a worrying chilling effect like do you know like, if, if if look the argument that a lot of people are making is CRT creates negative stereotypes about white people and they don't like that they don't want to be taught to their kids i think a lot of people think that's a big deal so this third argument that you're bringing out like should we care if schools oh, are teaching racist stereotypes about white people over and over again earlier but they have a so but, yes but can you understand let's talk this conversation but like, I don't think, yes, I understand people are- Can you understand people would be upset about what, that? that? What they're calling CRT, which again, I think generally has very little to do with it. But yes, I think what they're calling CRT, uh, they oftentimes, again, I don't deny, this is all stuff I said earlier in the conversation. I don't deny that you're going to find cases that you and I would agree about. You know, there are, this is a very big country with a lot of teachers in it. You are going to find stuff that we would agree are objectionable, but I don't think- that the uh, that any that anything that's that's happening at like any real scale is enough to justify the sort of urge to sort of shut down classroom discussion about uh, about these kinds of ideas, and I'm more concerned about being too censorious, like making. Look, I, there, I can think of like important. half a dozen examples where you would totally. Sure. Yeah. Like flip. I like mean, if, if you had, look, if you I mean, had a God, if if you can, I mean, like I would assume there are a whole lot more than half a dozen. Would you look? Would you be bringing out this millions of people? Look, uh, would you hold on? A lot of public school teachers. I'm sure you can find dozens of examples that we would agree on, but that's a little bit of a separate question from whether uh, we're talking about something that, as a social phenomenon, right, that you know uh, rises to the level that. You know, we should be more worried about that than we're worried about the chilling effect of overly broad, censorious laws that are going to make look, teachers. You, you can say it. Look, you said it th- three times already. Let's just move sure. on. 
Okay, no, I'm I'm happy to. I just all of this started because you said that you said that I didn't respond to something that I I did respond to, but I was like, look, I could say it again if it wasn't. No, clear. let's not look. Uh, look, I. Yeah. First of all, we should be wrapping up, okay? Like I said, like <laughs> this, this is a this is a little contentious, uh, obviously. Like I, we have a, a fundamental disagreement, and I just I don't I'm I'm trying to get to the root of that disagreement. For me, it just it seems as though you're saying, look, I don't want to I don't want to censor the stereotypes that I find are true. Okay, except and that, I think a lot of people are like arguing nothing, that except that nothing I've said comes within a hundred thousand miles of that silly ass straw man. And in fact, I've said many times, mm -hmm. right, that we're talking about ideas that I myself disagree with, right? right? So it's obviously not the case that I'm saying, oh, I don't want to censor stuff that I agree with. What okay. I'm saying is that I want to err on the what, side. Give us an example of something that you would want to censor that um i i mean i think i've agreed with several over the course of this conversation but uh but sure i think that creationism in the biology class i think i agreed with that several times i think that the i think that if you have crude racial stereotypes in either direction uh then i would agree with that again my concern is about over broadening that to the point where we're saying that like oh uncon you know saying right. There's the structure okay. about unconscious racism or whatever amounts to being the same thing as an exactly reversed racial stereotype, which I don't think is accurate. But yeah, I think that there are. So, things so how is my how is my out. assessment of straw man then? You're basically saying what I said. No, I'm not, because you were saying that what I'm saying is I don't want to censor stereotypes that I agree with. And all of the ideas we've been talking about are you, ones. You, that, you just said that the stereotype in CRT is the, not a direct reversal of the racist yeah. stereotype that i suggested yes i would argue that it is but you're saying yeah I like I, that, I, that doesn't mean i agree with it that's a uh, that's like i disagree but you're, you're saying that we shouldn't censor that one because yes. it's not a direct because and how is that any different than saying well it, it's not direct because i kind of agree with that stereotype uh there are lots of ideas that i disagree with that i don't think are as bad as sort of directly doing crude racial stereotypes in either. Okay. Way. Okay. That's like, there are, you know, this is like, you know, I mean, again, I think like, this is why I don't like calling everything like fascist or whatever. There are lots of things I disagree with that fall short of fascism. You know, that's right. like, I don't want to. And, you know, the question is not, should you have new rules whatsoever? No, we've agreed. That would be silly. The question, but is also not just like, oh, don't censor these specific things because I agree with them. We're talking about stuff I disagree with, but I would like to, generally speaking, all else being equal, I would like to err on the side of okay. more not <laughs> discussion of controversial ideas, not less. That's the core of the disagreement. Especially if, if there are ideas you agree with, right? Obviously. Yeah, that's definitely what I said. No, look, I'm not, look, I'm making a bit of a joke there, but obviously, um, look, I don't want to straw man you. So yeah. I mean, like, like again, I disagree with this stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to censor it. I think that's a pretty straightforward combination of positions. Right. I understand. Look, we get it. Uh, the, you want to censor things, but just egregious things. And this yeah. is not egregious. Yeah. Uh, Sitch, do you want to look, we, I, I, we, we really yeah. should wrap up. So yeah, I I I try to, and then you had <laughs> another to do with the conversation. <laughs>
It's not looking like, me. It sounds like we're in it on good terms, though, Ben. Uh, would you Would you agree to, if we invited you? Would you agree to come back again? That's always would, the. Okay. I would absolutely come well, back again. Spirit, uh, spirited debate is what we're all about, you know. Obviously, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, look, I've, I've, I've debated. Uh, um, I've debated some people I genuinely hate. You guys are fine. We just disagree. <laughs> nice. Nice. We're going to aspire to reach that level one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's see. You can come on next time. We'll talk about the Barbie movie or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah totally. Something at movies or something less contentious. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Barbie movie is a very less contentious time. Yeah, I haven't seen the Barbie movie. Oh, you should. You would hate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, it just doesn't really. Like I, I watched a pre. I mean, I've seen the preview, obviously, yeah. but like it just, I, I kind of felt like okay, I kind of see what you're doing here. Uh, it's like this meta thing. It's like the Lego movie or something. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's fine. It just doesn't really seem like my kind of thing. It's because you're a man and sexist. Yeah, uh, no doubt. But like, uh, but yeah, we could talk about Barbie or socialism or whatever you want to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to do that. Awesome. All right, we'll do it again well, sometime. Thanks Take for care, Ben. On, ben. All right, good Thanks, good. Bye. Have a good Bye. day. Okay. All okay. right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Magor for seven months says you could see if you could get Vivek Ramaswamy or RFK Jr. on, pitch them on custodial voting. <laughs> wow. I wonder if I could convince Vivek to go with custodial voting instead. I, you know, the scary thing is, I think you probably could. That would be huge for our show. We would totally blow up if we could change Vivek's position. Right. That would be gigantic. Uh, the Wooster Provider says, Hey, Ben, I really enjoyed your discussion with Curtis Yarvin. I never saw that. Um, can you explain to Adam and Sitch what your critique and agreements with Yarvin's worldview are? Well, that would be another 20 minutes. So we'll say that for next time. Uh, Gene the Penguin for 11 months says professionals could have an ounce of professionalism and keep their private and work lives completely separate. I agree. Uh, Gene the Penguin for another five dollars says CRT and its offspring schools of thought have been a massive contributing factor to decay in race relations across the country, if not the world. Yeah, I strongly agree. Um, you know, I, I thought that I, I it's weird. I thought that there would be sort of I thought he would have a similar position as to, as the Moeller, which is that you uh, and I'm sympathetic to you know, people that are classical Marxists not wanting to refer to CRT or wokeness or other things that I would refer to as cultural Marxism. I, I'm sympathetic to them not wanting that to be branded Marxist and then making the argument, well, you know, removing the class elements from it, you know, makes it not Marxism anymore. Um, but I didn't think that there'd be a lot of pushback on the, like, well, this is derived pretty directly from you know, Gramsci and Marxism and the Frankfurt School and all that stuff. So, which I think it very clearly is. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how to argue against that, but. Yeah. Uh, Jay Greenleaf, thanks so much for $20, says racism is making judgments, assumptions, and or conclusions about an individual based solely on their skin color. Mm -hmm. True. True. Yeah. That is, I, yeah. That's exactly I, what we're talking about. Like someone's privileged. Right. Because they're and, white. <laughs> And I think it's pretty clear that if Republicans write a law and they use the word racism in it, it's going to be 
like a definition of racism like that or a definition of racism you can just look up in the dictionary it's not going to be oh by the way we use this like hyper woke definition of racism where everything's racism so when we say you can't believe you know you can't teach that everyone's inherently racist we're really saying like you know so you can't like teach anything. Thing. Yeah, you yeah. can't teach. You can't anything. teach about any institutions or systems because they're all imbued with white supremacy. <laughs> right. Right. Government class is now illegal. <laughs> right. Uh, Jose Caledro for four months. Thanks so much. Says Ben and many others cannot distinguish between teaching CRT as content descriptively and teaching through the lens of CRT prescriptively or praxis. Yeah, I mean, I think he understands like. I don't know. I think this kind of like this dance, like he understands like the concept of it. Um, the question is what exactly is being taught that fits into the, the CRT praxis and what is there any trust to uh, the education system and how it's being taught. And that's why I brought up the, the Nazism example is that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident Maybe some people on the left wouldn't be, but I'm pretty confident that in most schools, if they were teaching about Nazism or something that effect, people would lose their minds. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, but if it's taught in the context of like World War II, right? They're saying like, oh, we're just, this is a unit on World War II. Oh, yeah, about yeah, Nazism, yeah, yeah. Right? Of But course. if they had some other class where they're just teaching about Nazism or something, you'd be like, well, that's a little weird, right? And there isn't, for most people that I don't think are a fringe, there isn't, a, at least currently, maybe there will be in the future. But there isn't like a super big concern that like if they're teaching about Nazism during World War II unit that they're advocating for it. But if you found that there was a guy who was teaching about Nazism specifically in a classroom or spending a lot of time on it, and then you also found out that this guy happened to be a groiper, you'd be like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe I don't trust the groiper to be teaching children about Nazism, right? Maybe yeah, they're going biased. to be- yeah, maybe they're going to be trying to sneak in some concepts about Nazism to sort of make, you know, kids enjoy it. And that's why I brought up, that's why I asked the question. And I know I'm like radically simplifying it, um, but that's why I asked the question about like, well, why, like, why is teaching Nazism prescriptively bad? And it's because like, if you just hone in on the genocide thing, which is I think how most people will talk about it, I mean... How is that not the exact same argument people make about communism? All the people that died under Mao, all the people that died under Lenin. You know, it seems they leave the, all that part out, though. They only focus on the equality and the helping people, right? They, and when that's teaching kind of, yeah. communism. Imagine right. teaching Nazism the same way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's the thing. Like, you could very well easily teach Nazism and then just, well, I'm going to leave out all the genocide, right? Oh yeah. So, you know. Uh, uh, Slate King for nine months says Ben is using the existence of alternative definitions of liberalism, racism, and CRT to avoid the principles being discussed. Yeah, there was a lot of like, what do all these kind of Sitch's law? We're kind of defining all these things in unusual ways. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We have to keep this under five hours so we can. Um... Right. So we can clip it and I mean it probably will be. Uh we do we are gonna read the super chats from, from last other days, Tuesday yeah. and last Wednesday, but just letting you know. Right. Uh Shinto for 12 months says Ben is in a fantasy land where public school classes just discuss the curriculum rather than teach it objectively. Either learn it or you fail. Uh yeah, I agree. Old school for five dollars says the black middle class existed before the end of segregation and was thriving in the northern states at least. There that seems objectively true. 
Uh, Fondue for five hours says, I always find it funny how everyone wants to wave around the Gadsden flag when the outcomes match their politics. Yes, I do agree with that. What's that mean? Like the whole like hands off, you know, libertarian, you know, let people teach controversial things. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I was trying to get to that. Yeah. I just look. I don't want to say it again because I don't want to be accused of straw manning, but the people who are against CRT are against it because they're teaching negative stereotypes of whites. That's literally the reason they're against it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think, and I was going to ask this, but you know, we got kind of sidetracked. Though, I mean, obviously, he's not going to agree with it. It's because, as I've always said, people, it's very easy for people to perceive threats from the other side of the political spectrum and easy to ignore threats from their side of the political spectrum, even if they disagree. And so I think it's very easy, just psychologically, for Ben to perceive the threat of far right extremist ideologies creeping yeah. into the classroom and say, like, this is a bad thing, where to perceive the threat of, you know, far left ideology, even if he disagrees with it, it's going to be much closer to sort of what he would like. So I think it's just not perceived. As, yeah, he's like, like the same we got to err on the side of free speech in this situation. Right. But if you have a a Nazi teacher in a criminal justice class going over black crime statistics for four weeks, you're like going, hmm, <laughs> what's going on here, right? Right. And you Maybe know, it's, it's time to censor some people. Right. And I guess building off of the creationism argument, you know, I just thought of now a good way to sort of move, you know, after that's brought up in, in a future conversation is to move in the direction of, well, okay, so if we say that they're not going to teach creationism in science, Mm -hmm. um you know what would you be opposed to teaching the concept in a phil like a prescriptively in a philosophy class or just in other classes in general like the concept of original sin starts bleeding into the rest of the curriculum right so you get even if you don't talk about creationism just right. the christian idea of original sin starts bleeding into everywhere you know how, how is that class, is that something that right. should be taught in public schools your math class and it starts popping up in the word problems right how many of these people were saved? You've got four people who <laughs> who gave their life right. to Jesus, and you've got seven people who didn't. Right, and maybe we should use the concept of original sending conversations just because then it has a clear uh, kind of metaphorical relation to the original sin of racism, which kind of pops into all the CRT conversations. So Yeah. Uh, AKA Batosai for $10 says, what things in Marxism does Ben disagree with? Yeah, that was a little late in the game. Sure. But that's, that's an interesting question. Okay. Uh, let me read super chats from the previous streams. We did look if Ben comes back, it's, it's, we got to remember that he doesn't like when we accuse him of not answering the question. So as well, long no as we... Well, no one likes that, Adam. Well, as, but look, as long as we keep those, we get to move the topic forward. Right. Yeah. Uh, Arithmus for $2 says, you'll never get a concession out of Ben on CRT because he doesn't really care about it. <laughs> he's more concerned about the classroom taboo aspect because he's really afraid of anti-communism laws in the future. Yeah, I mean... I think you're right in terms of how the perception of this is, but I think you can just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, just say that then, I guess, just be upfront with what exactly the position is. So. Yeah. 
Uh, did Ben attend the Noam Chomsky school and not agreeing, but softly laying down cover anyways? <laughs> well done. That's a little mean, That's but funny. Well, Dr. Did is always a little mean. It's like Look, I, I, it's difficult for anyone to come and have this kind of conversation. So I want to give Ben credit for actually sure. doing it. Yeah. Right. And I think a little bit, I mean, obviously we're friendly with Anna Kasparian now. So I think having mutual friends in common, I think helps that. It's just, it's, it's tough to do because everyone on your side and we don't really have a side, so this doesn't really affect us as much. I mean, it does to some extent when people mischaracterize our positions for their own personal gain. But that happens a lot on the left. People will mischaracterize what people have said to try to, you know, kick them out of the group. It's really brutal. Right, right. Yeah. So a lot of times I feel like people have to, they have to kind of couch their words very carefully to avoid that. I mean, fortunately, Anna Kasparian's kind of just in a complete fuck it mode. Which is right, like, right. Which, you know, we kind of are. In, we've kind of been in that mode forever, right? We've been, we've been permanently stuck in the I know. fuck it mode. So, you know. The, the, that mode which I think, is I so... think pisses a lot of people off, even in our own audience, pretty frequently. Oh, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. The number, every time we talk about Ukraine, the number of comments that we get that tell us we should really do our research. <laughs> and it's just like, I know. As if we haven't, as if we haven't done our research. I know. Like a bazillion times. Right. Uh, Arithmus for $2 says, Ben's example of chilling effect in the classroom is a bad one because an example is clearly racist. Uh, saying that white people categorically have a position of power in society over black people is racist and false. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Asif Artsy says, Sitch, for two hours, says, Sitch, did you read your DMs, Shana Tova? Uh, let me read my DMs. Well, I have his art, if that's what he's talking about. I brought up first the, this oh, I did, zero, I did miss the DMs. Yes. zero fox. <laughs> Zero Fox. Fox. Why are you saying it? Well, we're like, well I guess this is going to be clipped out. We've anyway, already so said it. We've matter. already cursed. So I know. Cursed, but look, I, they do. There's the number of cursing. I think is a a proportion of. That's it. I try to save it to when it's really important. Okay. But Zero this Fox. That's his new name. <laughs> Zero Fox this, did this Zero amazing Fox. picture. Mm -hmm. That is a play on the Sitch. And Sammy both liking One Piece, the One Piece live action. And Doomer has inserted himself into the conversation here <laughs> on top of the big dick box. <laughs> and he says, I know like. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. I know like. <laughs> Does Doomer like anything? Oh, he's taken over for you now, Sitch. He's yeah, the he one likes that like romantic anything. comedies and romance movies because you know <laughs> he he doesn't have testicles. Oh god, this so. is so good. This is hilarious. Yeah, that's a great edit. Excellent meme. Thank yes. you, Zero Fox. Yeah, I know like. <laughs> I know like. Wow. Was was Doomer complaining about One Piece or something? Or I don't even know. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but <laughs> of course, it seems like that would be a Doomer. Opinion. Doomer, if this is incorrect, you should let us know. Mm -hmm. This is your new position now, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, Doomer. He did a whole. He did like a five-hour video on his channel on um, One Piece. No, on oh. uh, what's the name of the channel? Second Parallax, I think. That was all like going over the hundred. Romantic comedies, yeah. Yeah, the top 100 romantic comedies and putting them in a tier list. So. Yeah. His number <laughs> one was Safety Not Guaranteed. Right. Great movie. Uh, Benjamin so, Anonymous for one month says, invite on more right-wingers like Curtis Yarvin or Vox Day to spice up and add variety to the debate of Leftist Tuesday. Um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I we've talked... Very interested in talking to Curtis Yarvin, but... We've talked to Sar Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin, a bunch. We've talked to, well, I guess, is Dev really a right winger? I no, don't, everyone, Dev's a communist. Everyone calls Dev a right winger. Right. Dev's not a right winger. Yeah. I don't uh, know I anything is. about Vox Day, so. I don't either. I do know I don't like Marvin Yarvin. Yeah. Oh, we've had Aiden Paladin on a bunch of times. We've, She's listen, a right winger. I don't know. I just I, we've not only debated a lot of right wing stuff in the past. We've been we've been hitting a lot of right wing topics, complaining about them recently. Yeah. Um. And true. I think and I think our viewership has suffered because of it. So. Yeah. I think we've triggered some people in our audience. Yeah. Uh, so maybe so. Maybe the I, Ukraine stuff. People really are. Right. Especially with the Republican primary going on. Hmm. Okay. So they, it does, it's, we're in a, it's a weird situation because there are two completely convicting, co conflicting positions on Ukraine. And if you hold one and somebody else holds the other, they picture that as a, it's a ding on your credibility. Right. That you don't agree with them. Right. Because you're well, disagreeing course, on the facts and they're saying I mean, you don't know true. the facts. Well, right. not necessarily. I mean, people understand in a religious context that people have different beliefs. Well, sure. But this you're year, literally about a moral, right. For some kind of moral claim as opposed to some kind of fact claim. Right. They're saying you, you don't even know the right facts. I mean, is it just people triggered over Ukraine stuff? Cause again, I mean, I, I don't know. I've said like a million times you can have the position that you don't think we should be involved. Um, because of your isolationist or you're in favor or you're afraid of world war three or something. Uh, and that's fine. I would disagree with those positions, but I don't think any of those positions necessitate having incorrect fact claims about government conspiracies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think you just have that position and just that can be your position. That's fine. Uh, Asif Arts has this picture. It's a comic where it's me and Adam and I say, hmm. And Adam says, hi, Jimmy Dore. We'd be happy to have you on the show again. And then I break out into laughter. And okay. Adam says, it would be our genuine pleasure to have a good faith discussion with you. <laughs> and I keep laughing. And then Adam says, stop it, Sitch. You're ruining everything. Uh -huh. And I'm trying to stop laughing. And Adam says, as I was saying, the door is open, Mr. Door. I mean, the door is always. <laughs> and then I, I keep laughing. And Adam goes, ugh. And he puts his head down. And I say, it was a valiant effort, Adam. Proud of you. The life of a producer. Yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know why you think said. he's going to come back on, but I think you're living in a fantasy world. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. You've, I've been right before. Uh, I mean, you have on some issues. Yeah. That's true. I think um, a lot more people have come on the show than anyone would have ever thought possible. That is also true. I mean, Jimmy Dore's literally been on the show before. <laughs> I mean, like... I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. So... Okay. I think uh, I think Sam's going to come back for a second time. Well, too. we have Sam said he would come back. So, on record. Well, no, I, I'm I uh, I do think he is going to come back. To be honest with you. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, Caleb the Cynic for five hours says, "Happy Wednesday, boys. Unusual seeing you here. LOL. Well, thank you, Caleb. Uh, Soldos for Jar says, uh, "One CLD say. I don't know what one CLD means." Say Cedar just didn't get the signal, eh, Adam? <laughs> there you go. What's that all about? Because on Wednesday we watched the Sam Cedar Jesse single mm -hmm. conversation. Oh, so, I gotcha. I listened to the other day. Uh, Jesse single has uh, a podcast where he talks to Katie Her Herzgaz. I always say her, her name wrong. Herzog. 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 And uh, blocked and reported. It's very good. Uh, apparently Amazing. Ben's a fan. It's funny, I, I bet Ben heard their last episode where they were talking about his Us! conversation on Sam Cedar, and uh, Jesse brought up how we covered it, and it was cathartic. And Jesse liked it. Yes. <laughs> and yes. thought we were very cool. Yes, uh, to talk about it. So that's probably what he was, Ben probably heard that. Um, but yeah, no, so... Yeah, and uh, Jesse said he'd come on again, so hopefully he'll come on, because I do want to talk to him about that appearance and trans stuff before we talk to Sam again. I sent him a, a DM about that. So I'd say the Sam thing is 90% yeah. happening now. Sure. So, just to let you know. Um, and yeah, that podcast was great, because I, for some reason, I don't know... <laughs> I, I, it was great. It was so awesome that Jesse called out two content creators at the same time that covered his, his, uh, exchange with majority report uh -huh. and said that we were both cool and he liked us both. And he'd been on both of our shows. Do you remember who those two content creators were? Uh, Sitch and Adam, right? Sitch and Adam was one, obviously. Yeah. That's two different people though. Well, but there was a, there was a, oh, there well, was a we, third we person. are a con, we are, I, I guess individually we are content creators, but together we are content I creators see, as I well. Yeah. Right. Sitch and Adam is one content creator and the other content creator was, do you remember? I do remember. Yes. Destiny. That's right. Yeah. And I, was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, wow, I wonder if this is going to come up on Destiny subreddit that seems to like. Be talking smack about us every day. Well, about you. I, I don't know if I get talked smack about. Yeah, uh, there's threads about you, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there definitely is threads about you. Okay. Yes, yes. You're Good part of the me. you're part of the conversation awesome. as well. I mean, I am Look pretty at, based. So there is always there's always a few right underdogs in there, which I <laughs> look most respect for you guys. Love you guys out there <laughs> defending us. That's true. Against the slings and arrows of misinformation. True. Yes. True and based. There yeah. you go. Yes. Just like we are out there defending Jesse 
single against the slings and arrows of misinformation being tossed at him. Mm-hmm. There are people, DGGers, who are, who are defending us as well. Right. They get a lot of down votes. <laughs> sure, I bet they do. But that's okay, you know. Anyone who's willing to stand up to the mob, I have the utmost respect for, Sitch. I hope you do, too. I do, 100%. I mean, obviously, especially if they're defending us, then they mm-hmm. get extra. Oh, of course. Well, they, must, they must be fully stocked of free will. Right. Uh, Fletcho McTaggy for Five Canadians says, Sam Cedar was briefly fired from MSNBC for having his tweets mischaracterized by conservative activists. Yeah, I remember. And we kind of went over this. He had some old tweet. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he had some old tweet from 2009 that was like supposedly satirical and people were kind of taking it out of context. Oh, it was the, um, then he said he made some comment about like, um, you know, if, if his daughter was raped, it would, he would hope it would be by like Roman Polanski or something. Cause he has a great sense of movies or something to that effect. Who said that? Sam Cedar <laughs> tweeted out like, Oh, well, if my daughter was ever raped, I hope it was by like, you know, someone talented like Roman Polanski. He made some comment like that it was obviously a joke. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. And yeah, he got in trouble for that that tweet. So it seems kind of hypocritical for him to then jump on the train and attack Jesse over tweets and things out of context too. And this came up in the you know in the conversation, which is part of why the conversation was crazy. Is like Sam acknowledges that he doesn't; he's not even familiar with Jesse's work. And it's like, well, if you're not familiar with his work, how can you criticize him? That's like an insane. St- it was insane that he said that. And it was even more insane that he would say that no one in his audience would be like, well, how can you criticize him if you don't even know his stuff? <laughs> Come on. It's it's exactly. It's funny because it was just like we were talking about with Ben. Whereas like, so Anna Kasparian puts out a tweet and like the number one complaint isn't necessarily the tweet, but it's the fact that Ben Shapiro retweeted it. Yeah. No one's and- addressing the substance of the the birthing person thing. Right. And it's and it's the same thing with Jesse, where it's like, well, the big complaint against him is some Republican AG somewhere cited some part of an article that he wrote, which Jesse then the next day wrote an article saying that they cited him incorrectly and he disagrees with them. But it doesn't matter. They 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 cited his stuff, so that's all that matters. Someone on the right used your words in some way I don't like. So you I don't hated like you. the enemy. Essentially, that's that's the exact thought process. Yeah, you're aiding and abetting the enemy. So they're shooting at us, and here you are giving them ammunition. They're killing us. Uh, PC, thanks so much for the ten gifted memberships. Thank you, PC. Uh, Squeeze Louise for five dollars says, "Anyone else notice Sam Cedar sounds just like Pleaky from Lilo and Stitch?" I don't. Is that from the cartoon? I don't know who Pleaky is. Uh, I never watched. I don't either. Let's see. Oh no, Pleaky was the eye the eye guy. When he comes back, we're gonna iron out that Lilo and Stitch stuff. I don't. It's. Pleaky was the Pleaky was the character that was the guy that had the big eye. Yeah, he, he actually does sound a lot like that character. So I wonder if Kevin McDonald was doing a like a Sam Cedar impression. Oh, Kevin McDonald is the guy that does all does Almighty Tall's purple Innovator Zoom. Okay. They do have a very similar voice. So there you go. We're not going to iron that out, Adam. That's a, that's literally a waste of time. Every time, if we bring it up again, it's just going to make it worse, right? Yeah. So it's funny. What I'm talking about is, um, 
before the stream, I think Sam called me Stitch. And then I, we kind of were joking with him, saying like, oh, well, everyone makes that mistake because of the movie Lilo and Stitch. Um, but I'm not named after that. And I think he even asked that. He said, are you named after that? I said, no, because it's Stitch. It's not Stitch. And he didn't even know. He wasn't even aware of what that movie was, which right. is kind of shocking to me. So I'm like, well, I don't even know how he could make, make the mistake. He's not even aware of the movie. Well, and then he even, looked it up. Yeah, he wasn't even aware of the movie Lilo and Stitch, which is kind of baffling. But But then it was weird because then when he went back on his show, he said that we were named. I was named because of the character, even though explicitly had a conversation with him about how it wasn't. So I don't, I don't know if he just doesn't listen or he doesn't remember or I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it was very bizarre. Or if he's right. just being like a jerk, I have no clue. So, yes. Uh, Fletchy McTaggy for Five Canadian says Emma losing it about terminology is because it keeps changing in her bubble and not the wider medical community's top-down elitist word games. Yeah, that was so weird. That was her saying that, you know, Jesse Single using the term gender dysphoria was outdated terminology, which clearly shows she has no clue what she's talking about at all. And that's why she basically ran away from the conversation. So she refused to to engage in the conversation. But You have to listen to that podcast I posted in DMs because they go into the standards of care. Which one? Uh, here, I'll look it up real quick. Okay. You posted a bunch of podcasts in the DMs. No, I just posted Dan's one. Dan's always sending me podcasts, and I'm always sending him pornographic pictures in response. <laughs> that That is not true. <laughs> it's not yeah. true, but it should be true. I should just send him pictures of, like, elves, like, zoomed into their ears. <laughs> oh, my, you're horrible. Every time, every time Adam sends me a link to a video, I should just send him, like, a zoomed-in shot of, like, elf ears. You're terrible. So. It's a Wesley Yang podcast. Uh-huh. Zero-year podcast. Well, you can resend it to me. There's too many okay. elf pictures in the way. Here it is. Okay. But they talk about... it's. Uh, he's interviewing this trans activist that's a... That's a trans person that went through bottom surgery at 19 and regretted it at 30 and has really come to the opinion that there's no way young people can, or especially minors, can consent to this because mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't understand what they're in for in the future and no one can explain it to them. They all also talk about it's super interesting because look, I don't think I'm misgendering this person. I think they use he, him pronouns now, but he was saying that a lot of the people who have gone through these surgeries completely lie about the outcomes mm -hmm. to basically because they're embarrassed about how the bad the outcomes are. And the outcomes are much worse than what's on record. What's the name of this podcast? Through talking, uh, through talking to various people. And he's, he's like, there's really about three different outcomes and it's 30% each and kind of lays out the outcomes and you're just going, oh, this is like mm -hmm. horrendous. Yeah. What was the name of the podcast? I just put it in DM, so. Well, in case here, anyone... I'll look. I'll put it in the chat too. So yeah, in case anyone else wants to, because it does sound interesting. Yeah, super interesting. But they also go in depth 
in the standards of care, which is exactly the conversation Jesse Single was trying to have with Sam Cedar and Emma Viglin. He, right. he said, look, here's the standards of care, but the, the question is, are people following the standards of care? And they, right. in the podcast, talk explicitly about how the law is written so the doctors don't really need to follow the standards of care because these are there's all these edge cases that are exceptions to the law that they mm. can do. And it just so happens to be all the cases use the exception. Right. And if one if one practitioner says, Look, I'm gonna stick by the standards of care, you know, two years of therapy before any sort of medical interventions can be can be done, that person is gonna go to a different doctor who's going to exercise the exception and that person is going to go out of business. They're not going to, they're not going to be in business anymore. Right. 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 So therefore the standards of care are not being followed. Yeah. And this is Jesse even says this in that exchange with Sam Cedar and Emma Viglin. He says, you know, that's the question. Are people using the standards of care? And I just think the Emma Viglins of the world are like, of course they are using the standards of care. Right. When they really just, they don't know anything about it. They right. hope they're using the standards of care, but I think the evidence is strongly in favor of the fact that they aren't. Yeah, that would be my position. So definitely the way it seems. So, I mean, you know, part of the standards of care is supposed to be that there's a, a year-long, well, here's kind of the issue, because it's supposed to be kind of like a, a year-long engagement with a child before you do anything. At all. Right. Yeah. And trying to to sort out and trying to solve if they have anxiety, depression, OCD, some other issues that are maybe unrelated to the dysphoria and could be confused for dysphoria. That was the whole point of right. doing that. Um, and I that's the conversion like, therapy part of the right. I mean, that's how they would categorize it. And so I feel like a lot of that waiting period and and a lot of that trying to figure out whether these things are really associated with dysphoria or not. Uh, are all being kind of thrown out the window in the name of political correctness. So, I agree. Uh, Fletcho, oh. Fletcho McTaggy for five Canadians says, have you guys discussed that Emma is a trust fund baby of two U.S. attorney parents? Uh, she has no clue about the realities of being working class. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the past um, when she kind of made her comments about how it's just like the rich people that take the train in from from New Jersey or from Rhode Island or whatever she said into New York that want to like have public transportation be safe. And she kind of made this insane argument about how it's really only rich people that want to get crime and poor people cleaned off the streets as if the people that don't live there also don't want crime and homeless people living on the streets as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it came up because I think she had gone to some very expensive uh, private school. So she also seemed to make the case that you needed a little bit of crime to get the property values down so poor people could afford to live there. Yeah, she was kind of... <laughs> sounded like, like, what? Yeah, it sounded like she was making kind of a very crazy argument about how, well, if they clean up the crime and homeless people, the property values will go up and then they'll just gentrify and price out like poor people from actually living in the area. And I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> so basically poor people have to have crime. They have right. to live with crime. Right. Sorry, like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's like, all right, I don't know about that one, but okay. 
Uh, Fletcho McTaggie for five Canadian. Thank you, Fletch Fletcho. Gave a bunch of that. Says Sam feels disrespected by Jesse, yet knows nothing of Jesse's work. Yeah, it was weird. There was like this weird thing where, like, the subtext of the conversation, I think, was that Jesse. So in the original, in the original conversation, Emma basically went on the show, and it was just her and Matt Letch and I forget someone else, and they were basically just you know crap talking Jesse and Jesse you know, claim that that they were saying things that were untrue and that they were being slanderous and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he sent this in a letter to Sam. And Sam at first seemed to be kind of on board with creating some kind of retraction or something. And then, you know, once he had the conversation with Emma, obviously that all went out the window and he just 100% took her side and defended her. So I think he was trying to, in the conversation, create this like fog this context of how he could say oh well this is how i agreed with jesse in the email but then on stream i basically shed all over him essentially mm -hmm. so to accuse jesse of being deceptive somehow well they when, they had the email exchange where he seemed right. to be um amicable to some sort of retraction but then didn't they go on the show again and right. dig the right. hole deeper yes. and that was right before and then he was like, "What the hell? I thought you were yeah, going like, to give me a retraction." This, yeah, you said you were yeah. going to retract, and you just and then that's the when they came up with a "well, call in" thing. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I don't know why you would like. If you're if you're publicly slandering the guy, why would you turn to the call in thing? But yeah, and also like, you know, the call and it's funny because Jesse echoed what I said, or he confirmed what I said. I should say, which is that you know when Jesse called into the Sam Cedar show. They're like, oh, they acted like it was just some kind of surprise that he called in. Like, oh, well, what a pleasant surprise. You just called in when obviously this had been set up from beforehand and was expected. So just the whole framing about it was dishonest. The fact that they basically just didn't let him speak at all. And they just use it as an opportunity to shout at him for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it's dishonest. And that's part of why I didn't want to call in. Because I, because whenever you like, like have, if you're like a call into like a show like Sam Cedar, there could always, especially someone who's a bad faith actor like like them in that context. Um, there's the context of the conversation could very well be built around this. We're not gonna have a conversation where you can explain yourself. I'm just going to sort of yell at you and virtue signal, which is exactly what that conversation was. Yeah. Uh, Fletcher McTaggy from the Five Canadians says Sam is directly lying here on a show from May. Sam implied that Jesse has closeted perverted motives for his research. He's absolutely lying. Perverted? Wow. That wouldn't surprise me. What is uh, what is the perversion? Well, I'm no, curious. it wouldn't surprise me that Sam would make that accusation. It would surprise me if that was true. Yeah, 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 I understood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what is, the, what is the perverted motives here? Are they saying... I mean, if Jesse like, was like I think a, it was like he was attracted to trans people. Or yeah, but if Jesse's like a chaser, then shouldn't he be supporting them? Why would he be not supporting them? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. Look, a lot of there's this stereotype about conservative Christians that they're closeted gays. Mm -hmm. So, okay, maybe that's the thing that they're saying. A federal burger for five hours says this is a certified public service announcement situation. Also, hi Adam. Hi. There you Look, go. I found my high. I have the high Adam in here somewhere. There you go. Where's my uh, high Fle Adam? Fletcher McTaggy from their five Canadians says Emma is just a rich, mean girl. I don't disagree. Uh, Lieutenant Satchquatch for five dollars says Sam, quote, doctors work things out. Uh, but what if, quote, working it out ends up going against Sam's biases? Do you think you would find their findings credible? 
yeah i mean this whole this whole kind of like blind appeal to authority is kind of silly to me when in the same breath they'll make the argument that like well you know they used to classify being gay as like a mental disorder mm-hmm. so how can you in one breath say oh well we can't have blind faith in our institutions because our institutions have led us astray in the past so many times um but now that they're saying something I like, we have to have blind faith in our institution. So, yeah, it, that's in, a right. hypocrisy problem right, right there. Now, and to be clear, the inverse of that is also true. Just because an institution has made bad decisions in the past doesn't mean it's automatically untrue now. It just means that you have to look at everything individually and try to figure out the truth of it, as lame as that is. How do you make the argument that CRT is making, like, how would you go about convincing Ben that CRT is making negative stereotypes? Um, I don't know. That's not really my concern because he doesn't, he keeps saying he doesn't like CRT. So I'm like, because one of the questions we didn't have time to get to was I want, I was curious to ask him, you know, what is, how has the left changed in 20, since 2014? Like everyone acknowledges that there has been a change. And yet it seems like a lot of people on the left are just hesitant to call that change what it is, which I think is the change from being rooted in liberal principles to cultural Marxist principles. And if he doesn't want to call it cultural Marxism, that's fine, but we've got to call it something. Yeah, I agree. That's the problem. Uh, Nicholas Van Neal for two Aussie bucks says, look at that based patriarch Sam over here. There you go. That was in relation to Sam probably telling Emma that she can't go on Jesse's oh, I know. podcast. Yeah. You can't go on a date with that guy. He's untrustworthy. Right. I don't like the way he looks. Right. Uh, Stug, thanks so much, Stug, for 17 months. Stug says, do you know the Muffin Man? I don't. You Tell me don't about the know muffin the Muffin man. man? Wow. I am the Eggman. I am the Walrus. Uh-huh. I am the Muffin Man. <laughs> right. He lives on Mulsberry Coo- Lane. Cuckoo Kachoo. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He lives on Drury right? Lane. I don't even know any of this. I don't I guess I didn't know him. I was thinking of the Muffin Top Man, who is uh, not to be confused with the Muffin Man. How do you feel about DuckDuckGo? Why do you have... Oh, my God. What? You have the joints everywhere. I'm doing... Stop look, it. It's I'm so doing some dumb. art. Get the joints out. I'm you know, that's some... probably getting our stream demonetized. Like, like Not you understand that, right? even close. Wait, literally one of the things is advocating for drug use. This is like wacky tobacco. No, oh my God, stop. It's, Look, it's I roll not, my own. Okay, it's not funny. I'm putting my foot down. It's stupid. It's not funny. It's probably in the stream demonetized. I actually despise it. I just don't, it's so dumb. Look, I'm Googling sunglasses. It's just so stupid. I'm Googling sunglasses PNG right now. Uh (laughs) I got to fix up your avatar for you. Yeah, you can put sunglasses on. That's fine. The joints are so dumb. What kind of sunglasses do you want? I want the joints out of there is what I want. They're gone already. Quit your complaining. Oh, my God. You're worse than Destiny's subreddit. Just acknowledge it then, you <laughs> fuck. <laughs> okay, Solidos for $2 says, so the ADL really stinked up a hefty musk, eh, Adam? Ah, there you go. Yes. 
There you go. That works. Uh, Crispy Crim for $10 says, Hey, Asich, just here to put some coins in your cup. Thank you. But I'll tune in later for a bit of ambiance at work. As a fellow shadow person, I'm sorry to say, but A-Team is supreme. Wow. Yes. Look at that. Terrible. Everyone Terrible. knows it, Sitch. What? That A-Team reigns supreme, obviously. Oh, okay. Obviously. Okay. Sure, sure. Oh, look at this. Sure. This looks like a cop now. I am a cop. I am the law. Uh, Super Saiyan G for five dollars says he sounds like Ben Shapiro. Ben Burgess does? No, this was from the ADL Elon Musk oh. conversation. So. Uh, Ronaro Zero for five dollars says the ADL says ACAB is a white nationalist racist phrase. Look up ACAB. Yeah, we did. That was insane. That is kind of baffling. I mean, I'm sure there are some white nationalists that say that, but it's hilariously because nowadays. You know, it seems it's mostly overwhelmingly leftists that are throwing the ACAB thing out there. Of course. Yeah. They love their ACAB. I don't yep. know why. Uh, Tommy Simonson for 50 DKD. DK dollars says X is the town square. Let it be that. You block people you don't like. No one needs the ADL to do that for them. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Simonson for another 50 DK dollars says, Sitch, what is the upside to cutting babies' genitals? You don't care, sure, but why? Oh, yeah, this was a big right. controversy. Big, well, big, big was this controversy. Really? Maybe yeah. this is, maybe, this, I mean, is there a bunch of people got triggered because I said it's really fucking stupid to compare male circumcision to female genital mutilation? Yes. Okay. Um, well, first of all, it is really fucking stupid because How dare number you? one, well, no, I'll tell you why. Because uh, number look, one, as I, said then, as I said then, as I said then, female genital mutilation is done pretty explicitly for the purpose of making it so women do not feel sexual pleasure or are actually in pain during sexual intercourse. That is the purpose of it. That right, is the explicit purpose of it. It's to curb their sexual appetite. Right. Yeah. Obviously, male circumcision does not have that effect. No, I am. I can testify that this is true. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Most American men can testify that that is not as uh, an effect on not remotely the case. Right. Yeah. So, so to just compare it on that level is really stupid. Now, putting that aside, you can say, okay, that's fair. The comparison is stupid, but why should it be done if it doesn't really confer, uh, you know, to really a great health benefit? And my answer to the question is. I don't think it should be done unless it's some unless it's your religion. Like, okay, if you don't want to do like that's why I'm saying I don't care. Since if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But if people want to do it because it, people want to do something because it's part of their religious practice and it's a very important part. It's like a core part of their religious practice because in Judaism it is supposed to be part of your literally the way in which you show you have a covenant with God. Okay, so this would essentially be like saying. Christians can't do communion or baptism mm -hmm. or something like that effect. It would be on that level of like egregiousness to the religion. Um, you know, obviously the actions are different. One's more uh, severe, but in terms of like what it means to the people practicing the religion, that's what it would mean. It'd be like saying you can't do communion. You can't do this thing that, you know, is your covenant with God. Um, so if you're not, if you're not Jewish and you don't want to do it, then okay, then don't do it. Like, I, I don't know. It's really, at that point, I think it's really more of an aesthetic thing. And that's about it. Um, and if you don't think it's worth it aesthetically, 
then don't do it. Don't have your kid do it. Who cares? But to basically restrict someone, like, and here's the thing, I don't know how you can say that you're in favor of liberalism and you're in favor of freedom of religion. If essentially you're saying, well, someone can't do something for religious reasons that doesn't really have any negative repercussions on their body or their life in any way whatsoever, but you just don't like it. So you don't want them to do it. But sitch, I'm going to yeah. channel the comment okay. section for you. But sitch, circumcision is a very, very, very dangerous procedure. I don't think that's true. Very, very dangerous. I don't believe that's actually true. What? What are the, what are the complications look, I, look, rates I of read circumcision? It, I read it in the comments. It's got to mm -hmm. be true. What are the complication rates of circumcision? Look, this is what I was thinking. I'm like, right. it, look, if it was dangerous, it wouldn't be commonplace. Right. If, if you had 50% of them were botched, right. people would stop doing it. They'd be like, okay, I'm changing my religion, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's commonplace. I'm certain it's, I'm certain the, they probably have incidents, but the incident rates are probably very, very low. Look, they have to be minuscule. Right. On par, on par with something like vaccination. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would you do it? Yeah. I mean, I see one thing that says 1.5%. I see another thing that says between 0.2%. Uh, and 5%, so you'd have to look into it more. But So again, well, that, so if just... you're going for discount circumcision right. in the alley behind the hospital, sure. I mean, obviously, sure. you're going to run into trouble. And also, right? when you look at the complication rate, you would have to, you know, uh, put away severe versus, like, you know, permanent uh, complications versus non-permanent. Oh, this, you're right. To me, yeah. to me, this is like, I don't know how you can say you're in favor of liberalism if it's like, okay, well, you know, you have something that has a very low complication rate of having any sort of permanent damage, and it's some important part of someone's religion, and it doesn't really cause harm unless there is one of these very rare catastrophic complications, and that's about it, and you're still going to be against that. It's like, okay, well, then you're just not in favor of freedom of religion, and it's just, it's just, a, it's a really, it's like this weird straining like it's this bizarre straining for universalism because it wants because people want to tie it into female genital mutilation when it's nothing. And the fact that circumcision is so commonplace in America should be pretty evidence of that. People so. do use the it's dangerous because they want so then to don't say, do it. Don't do well, it for no, your kids. I don't know yeah, what to say. People want to say it's dangerous to to outlaw it. Obviously, because that, and if it was dangerous, I mean, I'd be in favor of outlawing it, right? Yeah, if there was some severe complication rate. Well, here's what you have to, like everything, so to quote Thomas Sowell, mm -hmm. okay, everything in life, everything has positives and negatives, and you have to try to balance them out. And you understand that if you say that you're going to basically make it illegal to get a circumcision, you're basically saying you're making it illegal for Jews to be Jews, in your country um and so in my mind i'm not saying that that would be a hundred percent like because obviously i do think female genital mutilation should be illegal and some people would make the same argument for whatever sect of even though it's a very specific sect most i don't believe most muslim uh practices most muslim countries practice that or anything so that kind of defeats the argument where basically all all sects of judaism practice circumcision to my understanding and knowledge um 
is that you have to say, well, okay, how how dangerous is this procedure, and what is it, and does the procedure really create some sort of very negative harm on the individual? And it's just not there with circumcision. It's not like female genital mutilation. It's not like you know there are uh, Christian scientists and people that are will be dying and they'll refuse blood transfusions for their children and things of that nature. It's just not even in that same ballpark. And to me, there's like this weird con, you know, convention of people who are literally just anti-Semitic, which I don't think is the majority of people at least in our comment section. And then sort of this misdiagnosis of just kind of straining for a universal, like a universality here, because it somehow gets tied into female genital mutilation, even though it's really shouldn't be conceptualized the same way. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I just am addressing the comments. Sure, so sure. people. Yeah, a lot of people left comments. We talked about it and just kind of moved on. We didn't, I never would have thought it was a big deal. Yeah. So, well, there's like this weird movement. And I don't know if that's where the people who are leaving angry comments come from. There's like this movement now of people who were circumcised who feel like they've been betrayed or something, you know, and <laughs> like they what? want their foreskin back. And I, I mean, I don't understand the thought process there, why anyone cares. But whatever, if you care, then, you know, fine, I guess. If you want to advocate that people shouldn't be doing it that are not Jewish, I'm, I wouldn't even be opposed to doing that. I don't even, I mean, myself personally, I don't even know if I have a child that's male. I don't, I honestly don't even know if I would get them circumcised. I'm conflicted about it myself, but I just think to outlaw it is preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. No. Isn't that like a rite of passage for males to realize, oh, wow, dongs are different. Some people are different. <laughs> Is that a bad? I mean, if you say so, I never. Well, do you have like all your friends were circumcised, right? I but didn't look have... at all my friends' dicks, so I couldn't tell you. I mean, <laughs> so, there's situations. Yeah, where you're staring at each other's dicks, or it's like unavoidable. You're oh, really? See, you're gonna see another dong? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, people I knew growing up. Um, well, you, look, you've seen other yeah. dongs in porn, right? True. And you've never seen an uncircumcised dong in porn? I, I have seen uncircumcised okay. penises in porn, yeah. Well, so the first time you see an uncircumcised penis and you're circumcised, you're, you're like, like... what the fuck is that thing? Yeah, you're like... Ew. What's going on? Yeah. What right. happened here? No, and I know, and I know... Um, <laughs> I've had, like, friends of mine... I they know, did what to my dick? <laughs> yeah. Friends of mine... I've had friends that are both circumcised and uncircumcised, obviously. The same person? No, not the same person, but... <laughs> I didn't know that was a an option. Right. Right. So, yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, Kid Truck ninety one for five dollars says, "Hey, uh, guys, glad to see you. You guys are streaming more often. Well, thank you." Yeah, there's a bunch of nice comments on our shorter streams too. Right. Uh, Radagast for five dollars says, "I'd love if you guys would have Eric Klooper on to discuss circumcision. He has a lecture called Sex and Circumcision: An American Love Story." I mean, it's really not a topic I give a shit about. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like, is it's he gonna? It, yeah. What's he care for? I don't like, know. Like, is he gonna come out and mm -hmm. advocate for baby rights? Oh, it hurts right. the baby, and the baby could. Well, see, here's do my without problem. this experience. Here's my experience. problem when people leave like a message like this or something. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know if this is true, but so when I Google Eric. Uh, clopper okay the second result says let's see um 
Klopp People were be- really mad that we didn't care too, by the way. So we probably yeah. shouldn't say that. Look, I well, care. No, I, well, no, fuck, fuck. I don't care. I'm not going to, I don't give a shit what people say. I don't care about it that much. I mean, I care about it in terms of, I think that if you're making it illegal, you're basically saying Jews can't live in your country. And I think that's a completely fair critique. And if you want that to be true, the action has to be so severe to merit that. And it's just not, and you can't really bring forward a good argument, you know, for that. But and it is, and it does, and I, I don't know if that's where people who are leaving in our comment section, but a lot of the comments I do here are just so close to sort of smacking of anti-Semitism that I think people need to be careful when they criticize it. Um, but right. you, you could be making this criticism and your heart is in the right place. You're doing it because you don't want pain to come to a baby and everyone's right. looking at you like you're a huge anti-Semite. Right. Well, if people just throw out these like, oh, it's just, you know, you want someone to kiss the baby dick. You want the... You know, harm babies. You like to mutilate, you know, mutilate baby genitals. Like it's like, oh, okay. So, but, um, so this article about Clopper says, Clopper piqued my interest by mentioning a group that conflates nearly all criticism of them with discrimination. Clopper then begins to set the stage, citing his own background, the fact that he's a cisgendered white male from privilege. He speaks of his he knowledge definitely of cares. <laughs> he's yeah. doing it for care harm. Right. He speaks of his knowledge of circumcision and warns us his talk will be controversial. His left-wing frame and rhetoric early on should not dissuade you. Clopper quickly heads up, quickly ends up headed down a rabbit hole that I'm not sure I even fully grasp. He says, let's see. There was something here about calling it satanic. And I was like, what? Read so, that part. Clopper describes circumcision as a satanic ritual a blood sacrifice in Judaism as genital mutilation cult. Okay. <laughs> so, but this is why I get annoyed because sometimes people are like, oh, you should talk to this guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I look up like, this guy's a fucking crazy person. And you're like, oh, thank you for recommending that I talk to some like deranged individual who would not. I mean, if someone's saying that circumcision is a satanic ritual and a blood sacrifice, is there, what are the chances that you could have that a, we're some gonna, kind of good yeah. faith conversation with them? You know? The answer well, is that we're going to agree. Look, they're going right. to come on our channel and want to lecture us about this satanic cult, and we're just going to have trouble shutting them up. Right. Right. So. Well, so, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be talking to Clapper on a conversation for a topic I don't really feel that strongly about. The Clapper. The Clapper, you, yeah. You do feel strongly about it, though. I feel strongly about saying that it should be outlawed for everyone. I don't feel strongly about individual people doing it or not. Right. Yeah. That's an yeah. important distinction though, because right. you do feel strongly about it. Like if, if they came out and were like, we're going to make this illegal, we'd be like, okay, True, now we care. Point. Yeah. No, I care about it. I care about someone saying it's illegal. I don't care about you doing it. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. It's just, it's very simple. Well, and so. if they came out and said, everyone needs to do it, if they're like forced sure. vaccination, look. Right. Right. And I think there's an argument to be made that, um, you know, there has been, my understanding is that the health benefits for it are negligible or minor, mm-hmm. and there has been an, a wrong push for it to be common practice in America when it doesn't need to be. And I think that's a totally legitimate argument to make. But then people just always have to take it too far. So There was probably a time when it was common practice based on that myth. And then someone did a double-blind study and they're like wait a second yeah right there's no health benefits to this sure well there is there's some benefits i just they seem to be relatively 
my understanding is there's are minor benefits. They're not enough to necessarily merit doing it for that reason. Uh-huh. I mean, I think you should do it just because it looks better, but whatever. <laughs> well, I do. What? There is they, there is an aesthetic component. I mean, right. But obviously, I think it looks better because I'm used to seeing my own dick. So, of course, yeah. I mean, it looks great on me. I don't know that's how true. it would look on somebody else, but that's true. And I mean, no complaints from the wife. So, what is yeah. look? <laughs> it's just like right. Uh, what you missed for two months says, "Wait, I need to use the restroom. Can you guys wait till I come back?" Larry, listen, go always pause it, and we'll be waiting. Yeah, there's pause. So, um, what do you think? I gave you some sunglasses. Oh, Thank I should you. have waited. This. Oh, I, I guess like, it's been. I do the blue like lenses. The blue lenses, yeah. I do look like a cop. I think it looks cool. Looks cooler with a blunt, but. Um, I'll spare you. So, well, for $10, says a counter to the quote if it's not happening, why are you so mad? argument about anti CRT laws is that legislation is wasting its time on this when it could be doing other more important things. Well, I think that, that is a potential argument, um, but usually that's not the argument I hear. Usually the argument I hear is what Ben laid out, which is that it's the going to have the chilling effect. Yeah, we really need to talk. Look, white people are racist as fuck, and we need to talk about that in public school, okay? Well, <laughs> no, we don't okay, want to run afoul of this CRT law. The, the because it says be, we can't talk about that. To be as good faith as possible <laughs> to, to Ben and the, the argument. Look, uh, this isn't Ben's argument, I'm saying. This is the know, argument that joking. I'm know, like but... hearing. No, I hear this argument. This is the argument I think most people are making. This is Sam's argument. Sam Sears' argument. Yeah. Right. Um, but to be as good faith and charitable as possible to, to Ben and Ben's argument and the argument about the chilling effect. There's no, they have not countered my argument, which is, well, the chilling effect is not created by the law. The chilling effect is created by the improper reporting of the law. Because if the law, if the reporting was done correctly and it, and it just said, hey, you can talk about people having unconscious bias. You just can't say that they have it because they're white. Then there wouldn't be a concern and people could still talk about what if they really, really need to talk about unconscious bias. Anyway, it, the law wouldn't run afoul of that at all. What if the media came out and said, listen, this law that the, says that they can no longer teach that all white people are racist, mm -hmm. and they still lost their shit over it. They were like, what? Right. <laughs> That's going to have a chilling effect in the classroom. Mm -hmm. True. How are we supposed to teach that all white people are racist? Right. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem, right? Uh, Jeff Schatz for $20. Thank you, Jeff. Says, hi, Sitch. You asked if Sam doesn't listen, didn't understand, or just being stupid. The answer is yes. <laughs> Thanks for the streams. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. That's probably true. That was based. Uh, Mason joined for five dollars. Says, you finished, just finished replaying the Dark Souls games. I limited my video, my video game playing to only when you stream, so thank you for the few extra hours lately. Well, you're welcome. That's a wow. good, uh, good strategy. So, we're going to be Keep streaming through the week couple times so you'll have more time it's a lot yeah, we're of gonna, things to cover yeah we're gonna cover the temple brianna Wu for a two-hour stream two hours or less hour and a half 1.52 yeah. and also the chris matthews right 
Yeah, and then also else. there's a third thing. So maybe yeah, there was. What, what was it? The uh, Brianna Greyjoy on Kyle Kalinsky. Kyle Kalinsky, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to cover. Wow. Vinny the Doorman, thank you. Look at this. Vinny the Doorman just joining the Free Will Seekers. Vinny, you are not a member. How's that possible? Seeing yeah, what's going green, on? Seeing you have a green name, I thought. Well, well thank you back, for rejoining. Uh, Callum Pafford back. for $5 says, Circumcision has some health benefits, but it's almost totally null to me. It's like 55 to 45 in favor of circumcision, so you might as well just do it. Well, there you go. There you go. It's just, I was told that usually it's done if the father's circumcised. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's an aesthetic thing. It is kind of weird, you know, as, as a parent, I guess, explaining it, right? What do you mean? Well, when your kid discovers that they've been circumcised. Oh, I guess. Why, uh... why are dogs different? <laughs> Why is my dog different than Billy's? Right. Well, well, when you were a little kid, we decided to cut your dog. There you go. There you go. I actually don't even remember the conversation at all. We were having this conversation with my parents. I remember reading an article. It might have been in Playboy magazine where this guy was uncircumcised and super bent out of shape about it mm-hmm. and decided to get circumcised in his 20s. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> thank goodness. I mean, can you imagine? That, oh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that as an adult. I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to do it as an adult. Oh. What kind of anesthesia do you use for that? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will listen. I would not. Uh, I would never... Uh, critique someone mm. for not wanting to do it, especially as an adult. So, yeah, hundred percent. Um, CT for two Canadians says, "Don't forget to shout out Danny Grover's GoFundMe." And Danny Grover gave us two pounds and said, "Thank you, CT." Yeah, uh, cool. Okay, I'll put a link to it. Uh, Danny Grover. Um who is a Sitchin Adam fan, uh, is, has a has a GoFundMe to help his girlfriend and their son or her son uh, prevent them from becoming homeless. Ouch. So it's pretty rough. So yeah, if you want to support that, I'll put a link in the chat. Check it out. Uh, PC for $20. Thank you, PC. He says, Sitch, is your argument against female generate female mutal female genital mutilation. You had the an acronym, but so I was like, why is it FMG? It's FGM. Female genital mutilation. Oh, okay. Just that it's egregiously harmful. I think the conflict is is because transing female genital mutilation and circumcision all harm, cause harm to those that can't consent. Some cultures consider it a rite of passage. So the, well, okay. It depends on how we're defining harm, right? Because I don't know if you know this, a lot of people will pierce their baby's ears if they're girls. They'll give them a little ear piercing at a very young age. Really? Um, I didn't yeah. know this was going on. Yeah, no, this happens pretty frequently. Um, and, you know, you don't necessarily need to be against it or in favor of it. So, okay, is that harm? You know, is it harm to, if your child reaches for something hot and you slap their hand really hard, 
Is that harm? You know, if you if you allow your child to just scream and scream and scream because you think they need to get out of their system, is that harm? Like you can't just say, well, something harms someone, so it's bad. There has to be something more complicated than just it causes harm. And it's the same thing with sort of transitioning, because you say, well, you know, is it harm? And it's like, well, you're, are you harming the body by transitioning? You know, you're cutting off working organs and maybe replacing them with other things. It's like, yes, but if the concept is that you, the person is getting some kind of net benefit from it overall, then then it's fine. Or at least that's my opinion, is that it's fine. If it's going to prevent them from committing suicide or if it's going to create a better quality of life for them, then it's fine. And it's not, I wouldn't really uh, classify that as harm. My argument against female genital mutilation is it's done explicitly for the two purposes that I said. It's done to limit someone's sexual function, okay, and sexual pleasure. That's the point of it. The point of it is that you as an individual will not experience sexual pleasure. That is the purpose of doing the action, okay? Now, I don't know how, how are we supposed to have a good faith conversation if you're going to compare that to circumcision or circumcision does not have that effect at all. How like how am I supposed to how are we supposed to have a good faith conversation? If you're supposed to say these two actions, one that has completely different outcomes and completely different purposes are the same. I just I don't even know how to have the conversation in good faith at that point. So so yeah, my argument against female genital mutilation is the explicit purpose, the amount of harm of that it causes. Where obviously with male circumcision, that's not the case. That is not the purpose, nor does it cause really any level of harm unless there's some sort of complication, which is rare. So. Completely different. Yeah, I just, it feels like a very overly simplistic, like thought terminating cliche, I guess, to sort of conceptualize it that way. It's like someone just saying, I'm a free speech absolutist when they're not really a free speech absolutist because they're in favor of res restricting some things as all, as all people are. So. Yeah. Uh, that cringe for 12 months says, Sitch, I can't decide if I want to cut my foreskin because it's already been done. Also, did you like the One Piece live action? I hate that they cut so much. Well, yeah, I'm saying it's your choice in terms of it's really your parents' choice. So you can take that with your parents, I guess. And again, if... And this is why it's like the conversation kind of annoys me is because, as I said, I'm not even sure whether I would uh, circumcise my child because even I'm conflicted over it. Um, and if you want to have a art conversation about that, it shouldn't be in America, it shouldn't be seen as the standard, then I think that's a fine conversation to have on my topic. My concern is only about the people saying it should be illegal or people just, again, wrongly conflating it with female genital mutilation. Um which is ridiculous. Uh, regarding well, one they're piece, doing it just to like make you seem like a bad person. Yes, they right. do it for it the is, same reason that they call abortion baby killing. Or yeah, it is. I do. Stuff. Yeah, I do interpret it as a hundred percent bad faith. And that's why so. it's annoying, is because you sense that it's emotionally manipulative. And look, right. I don't like to be emotionally manipulated. So, <laughs> right? I'm assuming right. you don't either. Right. Yeah. It's like saying, well, you know, it'd be like saying, well, I mean, you shouldn't pierce your ears because you're you're modifying your body. How's that any different than female genital mutilation? Yeah. It's How's that any thing. different than a double mastectomy? Right. Yeah. You're like, it's the same thing. 
I mean, even to compare circumcision to like transition procedures is wildly strange to me too. Yeah, look, <laughs> I've been circumcised and I've had plenty of great sex. And it's, there you go. <laughs> like it's affected my sex life not Zero. at all. Yeah, yeah, listen, it definitely didn't slow Adam down, okay? Exactly. If anyone needed to be slowed down, it was Adam, and it did not have <laughs> Yes. So, it does, it does come off as a bad faith uh, comparison to me. Uh, as for the One Piece live action, yeah, I just, I, I tried to watch the anime a while ago, and it's just so slow and so drawn out that... So I don't know what exactly they cut out because I only watched like, I don't know, the first five episodes maybe of the, the anime like a long time ago. And so the fast pace cutting all out the fat in the live action, I was totally on board with. So that's why I did like it. I mean, I'm sure there if I got into it, there are things, there are details and there are things like, oh, I'm so annoyed that they cut out my favorite XYZ because that's always the case. Whenever I watch something, I go, I like this. And then I read the source material. And I'm like, oh, they cut out all this good stuff. So yeah, it happens. Game of Thrones, but yeah. You know. Uh, Mr. Ubercross for $20. Thank you, Mr. Ubercross. Says a liberal is a person who believes the aim of the government should be to protect individual liberty. Law should be carefully crafted to be as minimally intrusive as necessary and designed not to favor a specific group. I agree with that. Yeah, that's good. I agree with that. It's a great way to put it. It is the the incrementalism aspect of it is interesting, though. Mm -hmm. I think that's more from the marxist perspective because they're focused on this revolutionary attitude yeah mm -hmm. but i don't i wouldn't call a core component of liberalism being like we have to take things slow we have to take it step by step not right. too many quick changes i don't see that as a part of the philosophy of liberalism that veil of ignorance joke killed it, man. I was that was awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't see how Rawls or veil of ignorance or any of that stuff. I mean, and and this, I guess, this is related to the, to the some of the super chats about about the topic. I just it does annoy me when we have these conversations with people who are. Marxists or socialists, and there's this kind of like weird game of, well, what does liberalism even mean anyway? And it's like, come on, like, yeah, I know. What are we doing? Like, and not only that, it means just because it means 10 different things doesn't mean we have to talk about those 10 different things. Right. Who cares? Right. Who cares what those other people think? We're having a conversation here between us. Right? Yeah. The most dope for $2 says, public education discourse has me so doom-pilled. The schisms between ideologies feel so unbridgeable. Trans advocates think they're simply teaching undeniable facts. We're just waiting for this all to hit a breaking point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it is. That's called the climax. Hot. Everything for $2 says, also Ben's talking... Taking exception to the Marxist origins of CRT is pretty pedantic. Tracing your genealogy back to thousands of years ago is a bit different than tracing your genealogy back to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt like there's a lot of, I feel like there's just so much hedging going on in that, in, in that realm of the conversation. 
there's so much hedging and like, and that's fine. I know he doesn't want to associate, you know, what he likes with that ideology. And I'm, you know, if he wants to make an argument that he thinks it should be referred to as something different, I'm open to make that argument. But you do have to be like kind of straightforward and upfront with like how the philosophy got to where it got and how, yes, it, I mean, essentially is Marxism where they just kind of carved out, they mad libs raced away and put in race. But that's a huge part of what these, of what CRT and what a lot of these kind of cultural Marxist philosophies are. So. Yeah, I'll have to listen back. I hope I wasn't too harsh or unfair. I do, the hedging bothers me because it's just, it's so time consuming. <laughs> like that's right. just my thing. There's a whole thing that I didn't, we didn't even talk about because we really didn't have time to talk about it. The, um, so he did a conversation with these other guys on this other channel. And I, look, I understand when the right says cultural Marxism, what they're saying is they're talking about viewing society through this oppressor oppressed lens. And I do think you can make a connection between that and the idea that we've often talked about, about, um, hold on, let me, I think I have it in my notes here. Where is it? Mm -hmm. External and internal locus of control, right? So if you, if you view yourself as an oppressed person in an oppressor-oppressor dynamic through a, a Marxist lens, I think you're more likely to see yourself as having an external locus of control. Things outside of you are controlling you. You don't have any ability to, to change things in your life. And I do think from a psychological perspective, that's just a bad place to be. I mean, right. you, you can even argue that if you are literally a slave or, or, you know, in a bad marriage or, or you are literally being controlled by a, a belligerent boss, having an internal locus of control will help you get out of that situation better if there is any opportunity to get out of that situation than just accepting it and being resigned to your fate. Mm -hmm. So when people are talking about cultural Marxism, this is what they're talking about. Is it good to, to look through, at everything through this lens? Is it that a good thing for society? Is that a good thing for you as an individual? Is that a good thing? Should we be doing that? And like they'll, um, Ben will get on a podcast with his buddies and they'll just talk for two hours about how, oh, calling it Marxism is wrong. And it's completely like a word conversation. <laughs> And I just, I want to know, like, well, what's your take on the psychology of this thing? Right. Right? right. I mean, I understand that you're a fan of Marxism. And if people are, do, are doing this redefinition thing of this terrible thing, just to use Marxism in the same way someone would use ra white supremacy or race or redefine racism, to use the power of that word going, you know, nobody likes Marxism. So let's just call it cultural Marxism. It doesn't mean that they're not talking about something that actually exists that yeah. I've never really heard you give a take on. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, which is what I want to hone in on. Because like, okay, if you don't want to call it cultural Marxism, fine. But it's it's a thing that you yes. can sense, everyone can sense, and we need a name to describe what this thing is. And, you know, it's kind of been, you know, relegated to wokeness right now. 
wokeness or yeah because cultural marxism kind of got taken over right but you know if the people look i this is a problem with whiteness or white privilege or or any of those terms like i don't object to the concepts that they want to talk about like Mm -hmm. dialogue always while we say look we need to talk about these systems you know knock yourself out just don't embed some sort of racist stereotype in talking about the system right right yeah Uh, the most dope for for two dollars says the strong argument against male circumcision isn't harm i think to me it's it would be the argument that it's unethical to permanently modify someone's body like that without any thought of their consent like piercings or a tattoo forced on you yeah, so I think you can. I think I agree. I think that would be the stronger argument, other than harm. Though that argument itself cannot be fully detached from harm, um, because whether the modification causes harm or not would be an important part of the conversation. This is why I mean my argument for the female gender mutilation is that it's a permanent modification that causes significant harm to an individual. And I'm not even sure, and this kind of comes into our our trans conversation, I don't think, if, if you are doing something that does cause significant harm to yourself, I'm not even sure that consent is the end-all, be-all for the thing. That's why I think that even people who are over 18 do need a medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria to be able to transition. I don't think, I don't, I don't agree I know I think Adam's position is, but I don't agree with it that just because you're over 18 means you get to do whatever you want to your body because you consent to it. I don't agree with that. So to me, harm always does play into the calculation here. Um, but sort of like a hypothetical to kind of use the, the bodily consent argument. The way that I look at it is it kind of going back again, you have to weigh the pros and the cons here. If there was some Christian sect in our society that made up 2% of the population of america and part of their religion was that they had to you know tattoo a cross on you know their baby's arm or something you know when they were seven days old and they just had to do this and if if you outlawed it they would like literally not be able to live in your country essentially two percent of the population would have to move out of your country and and doing this tattooing of the baby giving them a cross on their arm didn't really cause any actual harm. I think you just have to say, okay, just you just have to allow it essentially at that point. That's my position. Yeah, let them do it. That's their religion. And we live in a country that has religious freedom. So that's not really causing harm to the child. So suck it up. I mean, do you disagree, Adam? Animal yeah no i i i agree yeah okay. look i it's a obviously it's a complicated topic that is i think is best left up to the individual well people are making arguments that it shouldn't be left up to the individual That's because the of point because of the consent argument but right because they're saying look the individual or the parents are really making a decision for but the parent makes all kinds of decisions for the child until of they're course. 18, obviously. Of course. Look, right. if, the if the parent wants to put the child on an all-ice cream diet, are we going to step in? And Well, and here's like a weird thing, too. If you want to talk about like permanent modification to a child, you understand that you're only making that argument in, you can, you're only making that argument in terms of circumcision if you're an atheist. 
if you're not an atheist, how is a Christian having their child be baptized, which has some permanent effect on like their soul? How is that not in the same area? If you believe in that. Oh yeah. Is it not? You're make you're basically deciding for your child, you know, what religion they're going to be and putting them in some sort of religious pact with a deity that they don't have a choice to make. Richard Dawkins told me that was child abuse. Well, I'm just saying, so if you're going to make this argument that you can't permanently affect your children in this way, and it's only applies to circumcision, I mean, I guess you can make that argument if you're an atheist. If you're not an atheist and you think it's okay for people to baptize their child, I don't see how you could make that argument consistently. But, you know, you got to let people... You live in a free society. People are going to do things that bother you. You're not to let them do it. Yeah. Uh, Mason Joy for five dollars says, "Can I be an S class sergeant major? I follow Sitch with the dedication and pride the scouts followed Irvin Smith with." Um, I'll think about it, Mason. Listen, you're going to start as a private. Okay, you got to start somewhere, Mason. So you're going to start, you're still private Mason, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how often I see you around, okay? How much of an impact you make on the S-class uh, commander here. Stand out. Make yourself known. That's how you advance in the ranks. I want to bring up something more on the circumcision thing, just because I... Send out him a picture of your dick. No. That's a good way look. to advance. In <laughs> Is it circumcised? Get out of here. <laughs> um just because i obviously i didn't grow up with social media and growing right. up with social media is such a a different environment i mm -hmm. you know a lot of people i think their gut intuition is that it's worse i don't know that i agree with that i think everybody whenever there's some crazy new technology everyone's gut intuition is that it's worse and the next generation is going to be awful for it they literally have this feeling with like written books, like music, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, recorded music. People were worried about was going to destroy the next generation. So I, I think right. it might be like that. It might just not. We might be thinking it's terrible, but I do. In this one case, I wonder if people, you know, they're young. They've the first they ever encounter a topic they get some sort of confirmation bias. So like the first encounter you've had with this circumcision topic is you saw somebody saying it was bad, that was a friend. You saw a video that made a very convincing argument. And you're just locked in because you immediately went to social media and started talking about how circumcision is terrible, it's evil, and we need to get rid of it. And you're all the time that you're saying that and telling people that and writing that stuff out, you're kind of rewiring your brain not to see any arguments against you. And I, I mean, you can read the book Influence by Cialdini, and he lays out how as soon as you, I mean, this was basically how they got captured American soldiers in Korea to denounce their American citizenship and basically turn on America through this sort of confirmation bias, writing out their personal opinions, telling stories about those personal opinions, giving testimony about those personal opinions. You really are rewiring your brain. Do you think that Definitely. could be playing a role? Yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Because I look, I thought I believed a bunch of really weird shit that I encountered when I was a kid. And then, you know, I would encounter arguments against it, but I hadn't already gone to social media and made a bunch of declarations and came out as like an anti circumcision person. So it was easy for me to walk it back. It was like, oh, well, that was dumb for me to believe that. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think that plays in with almost all internet arguments nowadays. So, confirmation bias is just that is a huge, giant issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that being said, I don't think I'm going to talk about circumcision anymore because it's just such a topic. I just am so not interested in talking about it. I feel like I've said whatever I'm going to, I've made my opinions known. If you disagree with it, fine. I don't care. Um, I'm probably not going to talk about it ever again. Uh, So if you want to send super chats asking more questions about circumcision, then as your own warning, there's a good chance I'm not going to read them because I don't care. Really? I'm just, I'm tired of talking, but I've said all I could say on the topic. I feel like, I mean, if it's like a hundred dollar super chat, we got to read it. I mean, that's just, I will read a hundred dollar super chat on (laughs) circumcision. Okay. All right. I'll give you a one word. I'll give you a one word response. I'll either say agree or disagree. (laughs) There you go. Look, Sitch is putting his foot down. No, I just, it's just, it's, it's it's tiring because, and this isn't just for circumcision. This happens a lot of times. You know, you have some take on something. And people disagree and they just you just keep cycling again and looping again and again. And it's like Yeah, because you look, you can't be friends again until they yeah. until they agree with you. It's like, okay, I don't know how there's nothing else really to say on the topic. Uh that cringe for tw- for ten dollars, thank you, says they killed Krieg off for no reason when he was designed for two reasons. To show how dangerous the grain the grand line is, and to show Luffy's resolve to pursue that dream, which also pushes Sanji for his dream. Yeah, so Krieg, I actually had to look it up because I didn't know who he was. He's the character in the live action where he's portrayed in the live action show as the guy who Mihawk like kicks his ass. He's the guy that has like the cannon that pops out of his back and he shoots at uh Mihawk. I've only seen two and a half episodes, so They're I don't cool. remember this. You probably haven't seen the episode with Dracul yet. Okay. Um, I did okay. see some, I think, memes of it online, and I was like, oh, God, I got to watch more of this. This looks cool. You did. It's, you saw the scene where the guy with the weird, the giant sword and, like, the goofy mustache. Yeah. Is, like, killing, like, people left and right. Yeah. And then there's the guy who who's, like, the captain, and he has a little cannon pops out of his back, and he shoots it at, at him, and he just cuts it in half and presumably kills him. But I will say, though, you don't actually see him get killed. You just hear you hear him Uh-oh. yell off screen. Uh-oh. Uh, we don't Uh-oh. actually know whether he's dead or not. We're just presuming he's dead. That's a classic troll. I'm just saying it's a classic trick that they throw in these shows. I didn't even it's funny. I didn't know anything about this character. I didn't know he was some bigger character in the comic. Um, but this is, I agree with you, and this is kind of where it's funny. I'll watch something and I go, I like this. And then I'll read the source material. I'm like, oh, I don't like, I don't like the adaptation anymore because there's always some character or some event or some scenario that I thought was really cool or really good in the comic or the source material. And then in the show or the movie, they end up making it stupid or they cut it out or they drastically trim it down just for timing's sake or whatever. And then it annoys me. So well, sure and of that I mean, they case. may try to shoot it, and it just doesn't work out, depending upon how difficult the endeavor is. 
Sure, but I'm saying like I was kind of looking through the Wikipedia and like this character is much more in the in the show. It's literally he is a literal throwaway character just to show that Dracul is a badass. That is the only point of him existing in the show. Where in the comic, he definitely seems to like be in the round much longer and be a much more in depth character. And maybe you could say and this would be a fair uh, complaint to say. That they could have just had it not be Krieg in the show. It should have just been some random character crafted, created just for the show that doesn't actually exist in the comic that they want to throw away. So, or we'll see. Maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, that cringe for five hours says, I completely understand about the anime. I've said the best way to enjoy One Piece is through the manga. The anime has lots of filler, not in the manga. Yeah, I think I'll, you know, I might, even though the manga is like super long. Um, I might. Uh oh. I might read the Uh-oh. manga from where the. I might start reading the manga. The manga. The manga. Excuse me. I start. I might start reading the manga from where the live action show ends, which I believe I've when I looked it up on Google it was like around chapter ninety five or something. So. I mean, this is a this is a comic that's been going on for twenty years, Adam. That's cool. Um, and I think it's. The chapters are in the thousands. I might get a One Piece t-shirt. Oh, really? (laughs) And yeah, One Piece graphic tee. I might get a One Piece t-shirt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I said I would get the manga, but I didn't realize it was like 600 chapters. The thousands, over a thousand chapters. I was thinking it was like one book or something. No, 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 no. This This is very... This has been going on for 20 years, though. <laughs> okay. Ugh. I think it's one of the longest running, if not the longest running, uh, animes or mangas, mangas. Is that so. why it's popular? I mean, Do you have any desire to invite Doomeron to talk about circumcision? No. <laughs> I just said I don't want to talk about it anymore. Why would I ever want to talk to fucking Doomer about it? <laughs> of all the people in the world to talk about it. I, I was like the Doomer man. I was just joking. Okay. I whatever Doomer's take is uh, on it, I'm assuming it's the wrong one. Okay. He hasn't given a take on it. He did okay. give a take on CRT. Yeah, CRT take is stupid. Right. So. Uh, but anyway, that's it. Anything else? Hello? What happened? Hey there? Adam? Adam? I think Adam exploded. Uh, Zokay for $2 says, do a sitch, do the voice sell. Yeah, there's... um. <laughs> I saw this on Twitter. Uh, this is going to make me feel really bad. So... Oh no! What happened? Did Did you do it? I didn't do it. Oh, okay. So, uh, Weekend Warrior posted. There's this thing. Uh, I know. I saw it going around. I, I yeah, figured... called voice cell, and it's supposed to measure like how deep your voice is. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because his is like literally like in the worst category, and I'm pretty sure mine's probably going to be in the worst category too. So. I I replied saying, "Do I dare do this? <laughs> do you want me to do it live on stream? I can. 
Sure. I mean, how do you, okay. how does it work? Uh, I just hit a button to begin the test, and then I read something, and then it gives me a score. Okay. Ready? Are you? Yeah. Here. How do you? Are you going to share your screen or something? No, you don't need to see the. I mean, I'll just tell you what the score is. But. Yeah, but what and I'll your... give you. I'll give you a link so you can do it yourself. No, I want this. Look, I want to see it. I want to make. There's sure nothing we're... to. There's nothing to see. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'm going to read this. This is a test sentence, and then it's going to give me a score. <clears throat> oh, I got to talk to a wow. Oh, make sure you read it right. <laughs> I am currently testing my voice. My favorite color is blue. The sky is sunny. My voice is loud and clear. I'm using a proper mic. My environment is quiet. Wait, it says not enough signal. Try again. Oh, okay, hold on. Try it again. I am currently testing my voice. My favorite color is blue. The sky is sunny. My voice is loud and clear. I am using a proper mic. My environment is quiet. That's not working for me. Good. You escaped. Let me try it one more time. I'm currently testing my voice. My favorite color is blue. The sky is sunny. My voice is loud and clear. I'm using a proper mic. My environment is quiet. It's still not working. I don't know. I'll have to mech I'll have to futz around with this. It's still not working for me. I don't know why. It you do it. Tell me if it works for you. No, I'm not gonna do it. Look. Why? You're have... definitely probably in like the Chad voice range. Look, I don't need some computer program to tell me that. I already know. <sighs> okay. <laughs> they they have these I want to see your score Adam what's the problem They have these programs that get yeah. you to say some lines and then they turn your voice into like an AI voice and steal your voice Wow is that what you think's going to happen And when you click the the terms and conditions you agree to it so I don't I wouldn't do it Mhm mm I, I was seeing all these people being shared around and and uh, I was thinking, this is exactly what they're doing. Stealing people's voices. Okay, you could be right. We're, um, look, I'll, I'll bring up a video. I, there was a video I saw on YouTube where a guy was telling us. He's a, a voice actor, and he said mm -hmm. they were putting ads on different websites for voice acting jobs, and they were giving this thing to read. That basically was the audition, but really was stealing your voice for for um for AI voices. Wow, that's yeah. pretty crazy. So he was like, warning the community, don't fall for this. Interesting. I guess I should have told you this before you did it like three times, right? Yeah, I get you should have warned me. Adam is just let me let my voice be used <laughs> for nefarious purposes. Well, it might not. It might not be that. Hopefully, it's not. But oh my god, they're gonna be using my voice. To prank to to scam old ladies out of money. They're gonna say, This is mm -hmm. your this is your grandson speaking. I need you to wire me a thousand dollars so <laughs> I can pay my bail. Right. Terrible. And, as as, and as soon as your grandma does, they're like, Look, we have the terms and conditions saying we were allowed to deceive her. Right. Okay, well, I'm going to say that my the, the hertz frequency of my voice must be so high 
that the program couldn't register it. So, because it w couldn't get the work properly. But. <clears throat> so, uh, Stephen R for five dollars says, "Have you heard from Brianna Wu on her thoughts about Sam Cedar? Post her interview with him and the conversation with Jesse." Yeah, so I mean, we'll talk about that. I guess uh, we're not going to watch the whole Tim conversation with Brianna because it's like three hours, uh, but mm -hmm. there are excerpts, and in it she keeps giving praise to Sam, which is kind of wild, um, because I think Sam is like awful, right. especially on his show. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Tim kept Tim kept saying saying that. Um... Sam Cedar was awful, and she was kind of defending Sam Cedar. Mm -hmm. so, well, she, it's she not just defending him. She's saying like he's the best show or something. Like that's like her favorite show, right? Which it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't care. All right. So yeah, I mean, but she couldn't really say. Look, my friend Anna is super based and informed because. Tim wasn't saying. Tim was specifically saying Sam Cedar is full of crap. Sure, but you can yeah. say something like, "Well, I disagree with you." That doesn't mean it's your favorite show, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, she did basically say. Majority Report is the most informative. Show. Right. I was like, like, "What?" Everyone was laughing out loud as soon as that happened. Yeah, and like, I would be curious, what? you know, to ask her like, did you see that? Did you see that call with Jesse? I mean, I assume even she would agree that that was like really insipid from Sam's perspective. I mean, on Sam's part and Emma's part. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a preview, I guess. I think I I think Brianna did very awful in the conversation with them, <laughs> even with right. the parts where I kind of violently disagreed with Tim's positions, I thought she did really poor in the conversation. So, but I guess we'll talk about that when we talk about it. Um, Fondue for 5 hours says, it's my biggest peeve how long these Shonen shows are. 12 episode anime originals, movies and OVs all the way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I agree to some extent. It gets kind of annoying when the thing is too long, but then if you like it, you like it. You know, I, I'm not... I really like Hunter Hunter, so I'm kind of glad Hunter Hunter is super long. Um, and as long as it can, as long as it continues to be interesting, obviously you can get to the point where it just gets repetitive and boring and blah 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 blah. blah. As long as it stays good, which is very difficult, I think Hunter Hunter is one of the rare exceptions where I do kind of like it the whole way through, and I think it does maintain quality the whole way through. And I'm and I'm sad that it will probably never be finished. So, I mean, why don't you cry about it? I will cry about it. Sounds sad. Uh, Dwight Baldwin for Tower says, I think my super chat got skipped. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. I did miss your super chat. Um, how did that happen? Where is it? Dwight Baldwin for $15 now says, Have you heard of the YouTube channel? What if alt history? You should have him on. Yeah, we have. Um, we have, and we kind of talked about him in the past. Um, and yeah, we can we can talk to him at some point. I like a lot of his videos, so I think his YouTube channel is very interesting. He had that dust up. I think we briefly covered his dust up with Bosch uh, some months ago, right? We did, yeah. Yeah, so I think he reached out to you to come on, but you kind of missed the email. 
Did that happen? That might have happened. That sounds like something that could have happened. Yeah. So. But yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll reach out to him because I do think he makes uh, interesting content. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saul for $2 says, Charles the Third, 24. There you go. Is this is this Charles the Third's first year officially as king? I guess it is, right? Maybe. There you go. Charles the Third. Oh, after the queen died, he's king now? Yeah. Sweet. There you go. That's got to be a good job, right? How old is Charles the Third? What kind of job security do you have as king of England? I think you're pretty good job security, right? I mean, you're king. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, we going to cover the Trump, Meghan Markle debate? The what? The Trump. If Trump debates Meghan Markle, are we going to cover it? Why is Trump going to debate Meghan Markle? Uh, supposedly, there's a some somebody offered to have him debate Meghan Markle. This real? I've never heard of this. Meg. Yeah. Meghan Markle and Harry Prince Harry. They're the ones that are like the. I know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the. We want our privacy. There's a very good South Park episode about. Yes. And um, somebody, look, I'm surprised you didn't hear this. Trump was on some show, yeah. some talk show, and the guy asked if he would debate, if Trump would debate Meghan Markle, and Trump said, "Sure, set it up. We'll we'll have a debate." <laughs> What, what I mean, the, you, why would you even ask him that? What was the context of the conversation? Like, because he was saying, like, this would get a lot of views. Look, it's the so kind of thing that I'm always pitching you. I'm always saying, look, Sitch. Right. Here's what people want to see. Yeah. Sure. And you're always like, nobody wants to see that. And I'm like, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. And then he, then he, and I'm like, what is it that they want to see, Adam? He's like, MMT. And I'm like, no, <laughs> stop. Right. I mean, I think it would be hilarious to watch Trump and Meghan Markle debate. I think Trump would be kind of an idiot to do that debate. You mm -hmm. can't, Trump can't say he's not going to do the official Republican debate and then do some kind of sideshow debate with Meghan fucking Markle. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't track. DeSantis is debating Gavin Newsom. Why not? Like, everyone's going for, everyone's discovered. They're like, people don't want me to debate all these losers. People want to see me debate someone big. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So they said they were going to debate, but I don't know. Is that ever going to actually happen? Maybe. I mean, you got the internet in front of you. You could take a look. Gavin Newsom says the baby DeSantis hit a snag over venue issues. Okay, so... Gavin Newsom said the plans are still in the works for a debate with, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, but he told Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd that arrangements have hit a snag over venue issues. They want thousands of people and make it a performance. I wasn't interested in that. We were pretty clear, and so I think we're getting closer. Why, does, why do you care? Who cares? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, so okay. So it still looks like they're still trying to work towards it. So we'll see. But what? But the difference is that DeSantis was in the Republican primary. I I don't think Trump can say I'm not going to actually have a real debate. I mean, I guess a lot of Trump fans won't really care, no matter what Trump does. So it doesn't matter. But I think it looks bad if Trump is like I'm not going to debate. I think 
I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to debate like the actual Republican challengers, but I'm going to debate Meghan Markle. Like that looks stupid. Well, we're going to cover it though. He's not going to. He was just saying it because someone asked him the stupid question, and he's he's going to be like, I mean, I guess you know, he doesn't want to look like a pussy, so he's going to say sure. They're not going to actually have a debate. Look, I can dream. Okay, you can dream. I'll let you dream. I won't. I, I won't try to ruin great. your dreams. So Charles the Third is seventy-four years old. Not it's bad. Old to become king, right? Like you're seventy-four. It's like, oh, look, you're finally king. It only took you to be seventy-four years old. His mom wouldn't kick the bucket. I know. Jeez, mom. Like, what's up? What's up? She needs to get out of there. Would you rather be the king or the crown prince? Hmm. Good question. I feel like with your crown, okay. Because I feel like if you're a crown prince, you can get away with a lot of shit that maybe you can't get away with when you're king. Oh, good point. The crown prince. Yeah. <laughs> Too much Just, responsibility as king. And I don't even know like what kind of like I mean, I'm assuming with, with the Brits, the proto Americans, it's mostly ceremonial. So I don't even know. It's not like he I don't know what kind of real power he gets for being yeah, king. Yeah, that's anyway. why you gotta go for the king. Because right. you can be a king and you know, not there's not too much responsibility anyway. So sure, sure, so. You're good to go. Oh, there you go. Uh, Religion of Peace for two dollars says, "Are fifteen minute cities based or dystopian?" Um, I what don't really it? have a big uh, focus on fifteen minute cities. Do you have a big focus on that? Really if it's look, if it's a city where everything is in within fifteen minutes of you, I think that is totally based. It's well, yeah, it's supposed to be that every not everything, every like necessity can be within fifteen minutes of Movies, a person. Of video a walk, games, really, of a walk. So, yeah, no, I think yeah. that's awesome. How would yeah, that I mean, be I think dystopian? I think it's awesome. I don't know if it's feasible, but I think it's awesome. I know, and I've heard this, that in America, you know, we have a lot of, like the concept in America where we have like a lot of zoning, where we have a bunch of suburbs that are all like houses and they're all very separated from businesses. And apparently this doesn't exist in a lot of European countries where things are kind of mixed together. Um, and I don't know, I'd have to live in one of those environments long-term to really have a strong opinion. But I mean, it sounds based to me. It'd be nice if everything is in a 15 minute walk. From you, that'd be pretty cool. You I mean, I lived everywhere. in cities like that, right? And it's amazing. Well, there you go. So based, it could be a based concept, but it might be dystopian to like force it. No, you should force it. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. Things are only based if they're forced upon you. Of course. Well, anyways. All right. Cool. I guess we'll leave it there. And uh, I guess we're going to stream tomorrow, too. Same time. Uh, Arithmus for $2 says, I now understand why the comic is taking so long. Adam thinks a manga running for 20 years would be only one book. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Bam. Well, I mean, it is true. True. All right. But yeah, we're going to be streaming tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to do... Chris Matthews, Brian Greyjoy, or Tim Pool. We'll do one of those three things probably. So we'll decide later. Same kablam time, same kablam place. We'll be at four. So, anyways.
Bye bye. No, what are you doing? Oh, it's just... Tuesday. Yeah. So, anyways. So, anyways, what you want, harmonica? <laughs> Harmonica's on the Sunday show, man. Look, the special Sunday show. All right, that's fine. Listen, if you don't want harmonica, that's just a blow to a team. I don't. No skin off my nose. Anyways. Thank Look, everyone you in the chat. Looks like everyone in the chat wants her mom. I know. See, you can't. Oh no, do wait! It. It's only Vinny. Thank <laughs> you all for coming. Thank you all for your incredibly generous donations. Thank you, oh. Ben Burgess, uh, for coming on and talking to us. Uh, thank yeah. you, Adam, for taking your harmonica and throwing it in the trash can, <laughs> which is dismay of everyone listening. And thank you. You have made it to the end of the stream. You are the true free will seekers. You are the true enlightened individuals. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.